Welcome to the Goalie Hacks podcast, the show dedicated to providing elite tips, hacks, and strategies to take your game to the next level, where we help you become an elite goaltender, one hack at a time. And now, here's your host, Mike Santaguida. Bang, bang, everyone, and welcome back to the show. And I'm your host, Mike Santaguida. And can I get another bang, bang? For officially breaking 1,000 subscribers on the podcast, what a milestone to hit. We we recently passed 16,000 downloads as well on the show, have over 105 five-star reviews on the show now across all different platforms, and uh, we did all that in just a short eight months, 34 episodes in now, and uh, wow, does time fly when you're having fun. You know, I've uh, crazy to think how far we've come, and so grateful for you guys and your support in the community you know, uh, to everyone who's tuned in or, or to anyone who's simply even just listened to any of my work on any platform, like the video post, sent me a DM with some uh, supportive or positive feedback. You guys are amazing. And I'm having so much fun doing this. I can't stress that enough. You know, I've dedicated my entire life to goaltending. And uh, the goal of the show has been to give back to you guys. And I feel like I'm truly starting to have a, a great impact now. And it really just warms my heart so much to see all you guys out there having success wherever you are, at whatever level you're at, you know, wherever you are in your journey. And uh, like I said from the start on the first episode, whether I have one listener or one million listeners, as long as I can help even even one person achieve their goals and, and move the needle further in their career, then I'll be satisfied. However, for me, one is not enough. And the goal of Goalie Hacks is to help 5,000 character-driven goaltenders become elite and professional goalies. And I feel like we're truly on our way of making that that goal happen now over the next 20 years. You know, I'm here to stay. I know that's a, a big number in a long time, but I'm not going anywhere. And I intend to continue to just make this experience as amazing as possible for you guys um, so I can con- continue to make an impact on the goalie community and give back and, uh, you know, help you guys get to the next level faster and make your dreams come true. You know, that's what the show is about. So I just want to say thank you to everyone. Uh, thank you to my team who, who got us here. And uh, thank you to all my guests as well. I cannot tell you how pumped I am to continue to serve you guys as best as possible and keep moving this ship forward together. And uh, as always, if you ever need anything at all, just send me a DM on Instagram or an email at goaliehacks@gmail.com. All the links are in the show notes to connect with me. Today on the show, I have one of the biggest goaltending names in New Jersey coming on to chat some goaltending development, Coach George Bozak. And George has been at the top of the New Jersey goaltending coaching circuit for over 15 years now, and it's helped dozens of goalies get to the next level. And today we dive into what it takes to play in the NCDC, the NAHL, as well as college hockey discussing his fears at Princeton, Arizona State Division I programs. Um, and we dive deep into his philosophy, his hacks, and how you guys can get to the next level faster. And uh, this was a longer episode. I think it's the longest one we've done yet, but it was truly a conversation uh, rather than an interview. And uh, I'm super grateful and, and uh, what a privilege it is to, to have Coach Bozek on today. Um, I know you guys are going to love this one, so make sure to stick around for the whole episode. Uh, shout out to our newest patron, Andrew Knox, from Newfield, New Jersey, on becoming a member of my inner circle. Super excited uh, to welcome you to the club, Andrew, and very excited to work together. Appreciate your support, buddy. Thank you so much. Um, are you goalies out there interested in catapulting your development as well? Well, Goalie Hacks offers several different packages that fit your personal needs 
uh, including a couple new packages as well that I've recently added into the mix. And the different tiers include becoming a hacktivist, an elite hacktivist, a coder, hacker, live hacker, and augmented hacker. And by popular demand and rapid user growth within the mentorship program uh, with 17 students now, um, I've right now added about three new packages to the, whole, to the Goalie Hacks Inner Circle program for you guys to go check out to get more value than ever. And you can get private group chat and monthly mentorship access uh, where we do, um, you know, we, we do a monthly like Zoom, private Zoom Q&A call amongst all the members. Uh, and I kind of give a speech on, on that particular topic I feel passionate about for that time of the month or in the season. Um, you can get monthly video review, 1v1 phone calls with me, as well as access to 20 plus templates from routines to recruiting emails and what to send to coaches to get more exposure, as well as several other templates, including how to stay ahead of the pack how to get out of a slump, etc. The list goes on and I'm just constantly, constantly, you know, adding more value for you guys as well. Um, but my two newest tiers uh, are available for people living in the greater Toronto area uh, within one hour, about one hour of Toronto. And I'm now offering to come out to either a game or practice every month and evaluate you and send you a summary and analysis as well as a, a one to two page summary and analysis as well as hacks and a plan of action on how to improve the areas that I mentioned in that report specifically. Um, and the other tier that I'm adding in is actually finally doing private lessons with me. And that's also available for anyone within or around one hour of Toronto. Um, and all the details are included in the tier sections over at patreon.com slash goalie hacks. And you can also find the link in the show description as well. I highly recommend you guys go check out all the new details. Shout out to all my existing members. Everybody's having a, a tremendous amount of success and we're all having lots of fun. Um, hanging out with like-minded uh, individuals and, and catapulting, you know, really, really pushing our development forward. Um, but I'm really looking forward to working with more of you on a deeper level. And uh, I hope that I can help you too if you guys decide to join. Lastly, shout out to our main sponsor, NeuroTracker. And congrats to the people who took advantage of the early bird deal the last couple of weeks. Uh, next week, we got, we'll be announcing our winners of our monthly NeuroTracker League. It's coming down the wire for the most improved and, uh, and the highest score. But if you're still interested in getting started, there's only a little amount of time left to take advantage of this offer, this early bird offer. Um, so if you've been on the fence wondering how this can take your game to the next level or how it can help you with injury recovery, just hit me up directly either on Instagram or by email to get more details uh, and how to get started ASAP. The links are also available in the show description if you guys want to go check out all the details yourself. But without further ado... Let's get into this week's episode. I know you guys are going to love the chat George and I had today. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Goalie Hacks podcast. I am super excited to be joined today by one of the most well-known goalie coaches in New Jersey, George Bozak. Coach Bozak has helped dozens and dozens of kids move on to the next level from junior to college to pro now and has extensive experience coaching for the last 15 years now. Formerly started his next level coaching career working with Princeton University for several years, then moving on to work with Arizona State's new D1 program back in 2016, then went on to work with the New Jersey Hitmen in the NCDC for several years, and as of recently, started working with the New Jersey Junior Titans in the NAHL, as well as the Philadelphia Hockey Club in the NCDC and USPHL. Coach Bozak has tons of experience in the New Jersey State hockey circuit. And I couldn't be happier to have him on the show today to chat some goaltending development. George, how you doing, buddy? Thanks for coming on the show, man. 
I'm doing great. I appreciate you having me on, Mike. Um, been a big fan of yours for a while, and uh, uh, it's great work that you're doing. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. The, the The pleasure is all mine. Um, but uh, great to have you on the show, man. You know, your your name just comes up so much in, in the goalie community. I figured it'd be awesome to connect some more and, and chat some goaltending, considering so many guys look up to you to, to help them get to the next level. And uh, with your extensive experience in the Jersey region, I, I figure you'll be able to shed some light on, you know, what it really takes to get to the next level. Um, but how have things been sort of going during COVID? Are your teams getting your, your seasons underway soon? Yeah, we've actually been, you know, it's for as crazy as the time it is. We've been fortunate, like back in um, beginning of July, we were allowed to start doing training type skating. So we were able to do our summer camps on, you know, limited basis. And everybody was very good about following protocol. And just last week, you know, the state of New Jersey, they're allowing indoor games. So nice. our NA team, the NCDC teams and the youth teams are you know, now they're going to try to make up for a lot of lost time, but, uh, you know, no fans, which is disappointing, but, you know, you have, you have to do things, you know, as you have to do them right now. And kids are just very happy to be back on the ice. Yeah, no kidding. It's, it's good to hear that you guys are, are getting underway. I know in some places they're, uh, they're taking some steps back, unfortunately, already before the season's even started. Are you, have you guys have like an official start date? Well, actually the, um, for instance, our NA team had their opening games last weekend, and a lot of the youth teams, like they just started this the weekend that just passed. Nice. Good to hear, man. Well, good luck as the season gets underway here. Um, but why don't we jump right into it and get the ball rolling a bit, and, and maybe you can just start off you know, by briefly sharing a bit of your story and your background and sort of how we got here today to let everybody know, uh, you know who you are. Yeah, awesome. Um, Let's see, born and raised in Philadelphia. Uh, I was actually a latecomer to this game. Um, I didn't actually start watching hockey until I was 14. Uh, Flyers at the time had a goalie named Pelly Lindbergh. And I just remember being amazed at watching what this guy was doing. I didn't even really know what hockey was. Uh, started playing my first travel hockey at 16. Um, was fortunate in the fact that, you know, Went from starting so late, got to play some junior hockey. Nice. Division three at a now defunct program, University of Scranton. I mean, we weren't very, you know, it was the player. It just, we were overmatched. I mean, we weren't very good at the division three level. And then from there, you know, <laughs> stats don't lie. I mean, I was a half hack backup, as I like to call it, in a <laughs> couple of years of minor league. But I think that's where my passion from coaching came because, yeah. you know, you and I can talk back some really like talking about myself or anything like that. I um, figured out too late in when I was playing how to play. And, you know, I got there on, you know, determination and skill, but you know, because you played at such a high level and you're such a highly regarded goaltender yourself, just having skill and being fast doesn't, that doesn't equate to the game. You have to have right. to it. And, that's where I think my passion for coaching came in because I never was really coached. I learned off the TV and didn't get coaches until, right. you know, once you're playing, you know, at the, the college or the pro level, you know, it's, that's a lot to make up. And um, here I am. I mean, I uh, ha had some great people give me some, you know, Guy Gadowski was the first guy, you know, gave me a chance 
coming at Princeton. Um, and there's so many people. Todd Morgan was one of my first coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, introduced me to coaching Jimmy Margadich, who we call in New Jersey the godfather of New Jersey goaltending. <laughs> Got to keep on that Sopranos theme around here. But um, he was the guy when I finally stopped playing, taught me how to coach. And it was just because of his genuine concern for kids and how well he coached that I was able to stay in this game and make it part of make it my career. Yeah. So learning from him, what sort of stuck out um, to, you know, what stuck with you, I guess, is the better way to put it the most from his coaching style that kind of shed some light and, and, and has led you into the way you coach today. Um, it, it was funny because when I first started coaching, you know, I think I took out my frustration of me not doing well or as good as I could have. Like, I, you know, I was an up and down goalie. Either I was great or it, every, I was a funnel. and when I first started coaching I would get frustrated but then when you get frustrated or you start yelling as a coach who's it about it are you really mad at the kid or is it just because things aren't going the way you think they should go Mm. and I would watch how Jimmy would approach each goaltender differently and he you know he got to understand his goaltenders and his patience um and he was just very engaging he gets to know his students you know, know the parents. So you, you get to, it's a, he gets, um, invested. It's not just a job for him. He gets invested, but the way he would explain things, um, and how passionate he was about learning. Like he was never one. If he told you to do something, if you gave him an idea, he's like, Oh, I see your point. And, you know, I, I mean, I'm old, <laughs> I'm very old, but <laughs> I'm getting old too, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I just turned 49. So, I mean, the generation I grew up in, it was just you listen to your coaches and that was it. Yeah. And I'm not, there, there does have to be leadership. I'm not saying that, you know, it's got to be a free for all. Yeah. There is wisdom in listening to your students. Um, and by watching him and starting to listen to the goals I coach, I think it became, a, you know, I became a better coach. I mean, I still have work to do. I always will, but that was yeah. the most, that was the thing that stood out the most. Yeah, no, I think, uh, you know, it's just a good mindset to have that. Uh, I, I, I heard this quote a while back that, uh, lifelong leaders are lifelong learners. And, um, whether you're 50 or whether you're five or 10 or my age at 27, you know, even in the NHL, and the coaches in the NHL, everybody's always evolving, growing, trying to get better. Because I think goaltending in, in hockey has got to be one of the most dynamically changing positions in like all of sport. Like I feel like every five years, the the game changes so much. Um, I don't know what you think about that. Oh, well, absolutely. And that's why um, the one thing I would tell anybody who's listening now, <laughs> this might be the lowest one. People see me and they're like, oh, boy, you could have got a better guest. But... <laughs> Um, with there's a martial art that I read up on. It's Jeet Kune Do. It's from Bruce Lee, and he has a saying. You know, a couple of his quotes are "Be like water," but his most profound quote that stood out to me is that a good teacher. Um, basically, he I I don't have the quote directly, but he he makes it where his own students become their own teachers, and he removes his own influence. Mm-hmm. And that's you know. That's the big thing where, like you said, the, the game's so fluid. Like I watch goaltenders who are absolutely phenomenal, but 
they were flashes in the pan. Like if you think of like um, where, and I think it was because coaches, it, the game became too rigid for a while in goalie coaching. Like uh, you had, you remember, everybody remembers Blaine Locker, like, you know, Vezina right. Trophy winner and Jim Carrey. And these were great goaltenders, but it's, I think they got to be style goaltenders as opposed to doing what was, um, came best to them. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you look at a guy like Marty Berdour, he was able to transcend generations because he didn't have a style. He just, it's like, it was almost like every day was like a street hockey game. He went out and just did what he had to do. Yeah. Hockey played to his strengths, but I would love your thoughts on that. But I just found the best goaltenders that you see. I mean, you know, from being uh, a Vermont alum, Timmy Thomas, like he just <laughs> compete, like just he, compete, baby. I love that word. So, um, no, I, I, and I think that, uh, you know, I, I and just nowadays, I think that, um, you need that, you, you need that so much to, to play at the next level. Obviously the game's moved in a much more, I would say technical direction, but, uh, even you look at guys like, uh, Mark Andre Fleury, like he's plenty of technical and that's what allows him to succeed. But it's that those second ditch efforts, that ability to go outside the box when you need to. Um, and, and Tim Thomas was certainly a breed of his own, but at the end of the day, um, it really comes down to stopping pucks, right? Um, you know, and, and, uh, he's a, a very interesting case of, you know, where, where goaltending has gone over the years, but you even see it like guys like, you know, Marty Brodeur when, uh, I mean, nobody could ever take away the career that he had. And I, I grew up watching him obviously, um, as, as you did for sure, but just seeing him toward the end of his tenure, you can just tell that he was starting to get a little bit outdated and, and, and what he was doing and they were starting to eat him alive a little bit. Um, and that might have been because of age and the game was just getting a little bit quicker. But relating to how it's changed, that's specifically what's going on is, you know, the game's just getting so much quicker. Um, everything's changing year to year. The game is so dynamic. The position is so dynamic. You know, you even see him like on things like uh, guys, this RVH has become really popular because it just gives you a ton of coverage. Right. But you see how many goals are starting to go in on the RVH. Forwards are really starting to expose that area above the shoulder, right in between the foot and the hand there when guys aren't sealed properly. So, you know, if, if you're not moving forward, you know, you're falling behind. And um, that's sort of what we do on the show here. We try and we try and see what's really working for guys and stuff like that, right? And, and uh, put that out there and let everybody decide for themselves. Like, hey, what's your identity? What works for you? Go out and try some of these things. It might not be for you. Um, you know, and I am my goalie coaches during, you know, when I was coming up and I was 12 years old, 16 years old, you know, they were teaching all big guy tactics. Right. And, yep. uh, I obviously, you, you know, how, how tall I am. I, you know, you see me play, I'm not a very tall guy. So if I would have just blindly followed what they said, it certainly didn't fit my identity. And I, I certainly never would have gotten as, as far as I did. So you really got to kind of take things try them out, mold them to your identity as much as possible, but constantly be moving forward, constantly be getting better, working up to sort of that elite status. Um, but why don't we start off a bit by, by having you, um, you know, talk about your, your coaching philosophy. Um, you know, what are some major areas you focus on with your goaltenders and uh, why do you believe in these concepts so much? Oh, absolutely. Well, number one is, <laughs> and Peyton Jones can tell you this, he, he quoted it on, 
he was on the Fit and 10 network one night. My three seconds of fame, I heard my name. <laughs> oh my God, this got to be a mistake. But um, skating, I do an inordinate amount of skating with goaltenders that I coach because number one, the game's pay- played on ice. But I find that it t- ties into so many things. When you see a goaltender who's confident in his edges, he'll hold his angle a little longer. Um, right. He controls the game because he has the ability, like two-on-one comes down, he's not worried about the backdoor pass because he has that confidence he can get over, so he stays true to the puck. He doesn't get what's called, quote-unquote, happy feet. Right. I just find when you're a strong skater, all your natural abilities come out because the game, everything in life is balance. So if you're not balanced on your edges, your game's going to suffer right from the get-go. Yeah. But what I do, my philosophy is now – and it's been an evolving thing, like you said, like the game is. Um, my job as a coach each year when we get a goaltender, um, my job is to figure out what your strengths are and then get you to buy into what I call controlling the game. Now, to explain it is it's not it's more than just putting, you know, everybody knows, okay, control your rebounds. Let's not put pucks back in the slot. Right. But controlling the game is multiple things. It's if you hold your angle long enough, sometimes that shooter has to take a second look. Now your defenseman's getting a stick on the puck. Mm. On a two-on-one, do you know how to communicate with your defenseman? When you play the puck, are you proficient in getting a look-up ice so you create time and space for your defender? Not just getting possession, but does your teammate have time to make a good decision with the puck? Um, it's knowing your team's penalty kill and D-zone you got to be an effective communicator. Like one thing I told our NA goalies this year now, they're not on pro contracts. So, you know, they're not, on, you know, they're in the NA, but I told him, I was like, you should probably get all the defensemen together, take them out to dinner. Now for you guys, that's Chipotle, <laughs> but explain to them during year one, you know, Lord willing, knock on wood, we get crowds back and you're going to play in a college rank. Like, you know, you, UVM was loud. Lowell's oh, yeah. loud. BC. You have to be able to, you got to be able to bark at these guys and explain to them like, hey, if I'm telling you something, it's not because I'm telling you what to do. It's like I want you on the ice. Like if yeah. I see your puck watching, I've got to be able to tell you you're out of position because if you're, I'm confident with you're holding your job, then I'm going to focus on the puck and it's going to tie in with everybody. Right. Um, and you know, understanding too, like, I, I don't know if you've dealt with this because some of your goals do this. I, I tell them to get out of the loser's mentality. And I know I used to have this where, you know, maybe your team loses three to one, but you pull down 45 saves. So you're like, wow, I played good. And I was like, you know what? At the end of the day, who cares? You didn't get the win. Because there's going to be most you're going to win four, three, three, two. But there's going to be a night where, let's face it, you feel good, but you give up six. But you know what? Your team pulls you out and they score seven. Yeah. That's the beauty of hockey. Well, I told people, like, when I would be at Princeton at ASU, I would have advisors get in touch with me, send me clips, and it was always of these 50 save games. And I'm like, but you would watch, and there would be at least, you know, 15 rebounds funneled to areas where, you know, like, if you don't control pucks in Division One level, or pro level, like you're putting your funnel and rebounds to weak side. Yeah. You might make that big save in junior. You might make that save in youth. You're not making that save at D one No. to play Michigan, or you go into play Vermont, you go into play, 
you know, ASU, it's going to be four nothing at the end of the first period. Right. So my philosophy is, is just skating, figuring out what their strengths are, especially like with the upper levels. Cause if you're at junior A, you, we've recruited you for a reason. My job is to get you to play to your strengths, but filter into the team concept and what I like calling controlling the game. Yeah. No, I love that. I love that. Um, and we'll, we'll dive a bit into each. So for skating, what exactly, you know, what do you kind of focus on? Is it just lateral movement? Is it sort of like depth speed? Is it kind of unconventional? Maybe get some insight into the type of skating work you do and the intention behind it all. Um, it's mix of technical and unconventional. Like we have a saying, I want you as comfortable in your skates as you are in your sneakers when you go to play street hockey. Yeah. So we'll throw some unconventional drills at you, but then we'll t- talk about technical aspects too. Like, you know, having your weight for it in your skate, but maximizing keeping as much of your blade on the ice when you get a push. Mm. Um, certain theories on like when you push one leg, stop with the other contingent upon the situation. Right. Um, also, it doesn't sound like it's skating. We always tell our goalies cut the ice in half. It helps them manage their game in the sense of knowing how much to move. If something's on the strong side, helps you make read like, hey, you know what? I don't necessarily need to be in an RVH here. Right. Or I can get there with a quick shuffle push. And, hey, I got to concentrate more on getting out as opposed to, um, like I saw a great article like where you're talking about curved line to the puck or a straight line. Yeah. Honestly, that depends on where the puck's at. If it's on the strong, yeah. it doesn't make sense because I've seen it. And you and I will save this for another time where we can, I'll do it. I'll set up a zoom and we can do video on it. Right on. If you've watched NHL playoffs this year, the, there were quite a few short side goals where you have these goalies who are six, three and the plays coming out of the corner, but they funnel to the middle of their net, but then play just comes back right on the short side post. Right. Plays on the strong side. Literally you shift out and it's coming into your chest. Yeah. So it's all on play identification and, you know, we'll throw a lot of transition work in there because let's face it, players are smart. They get you moving one way, coming back the other. So that confidence of identifying when to get your feet set and how to shift your weight back. So I apologize if that's long-winded, but. No, no, it's, it's perfect. That's what I want. I want you to kind of shed your light on what kind of skating. And I seen your drills on, uh, on, on Instagram and I'm, that's why I'm, I'm very interested. And I actually believe in some of the, the unconventional sense of it, because I mean, when I was young, I, I would literally like, that was, that's been my strength. My whole career is, is just been my skating, being able to, to have just excellent positioning, because even if you're not a big guy, if you're just in position all the time, because you have exceptional skating, well, then you're covering just as much net. Um, but even when I was younger, like I would, I would go to these shooting like I would go to these clinics for players it'd be like 50 60 kids on the ice and it was all power skating for an hour and then it was like shots for an hour so I would go out and I would do an hour of like player power skating and then I would and then I would go on net and take shots and I and I kind of look back on a lot of that um, experience and even with my goalie coach locally we every Saturday night we would do like 30 minutes of skating like one group would go down do skating for 30 minutes one did one group would go down do shots and then we'd kind of switch and it kind of you, you when you're young you don't really realize you're like oh man i just want to stop pucks i just want to stop pucks i want to get in there 
But, you know, as you get older, you start to realize that those fundamentals that you develop from such a young age and sort of what you're doing with your guys is getting them really comfortable uh, on every area of the ice, moving in every direction and really feeling like you're wearing shoes. Um, because if you're not comfortable on those edges, it comes out in your game. So, no, I'm a big believer in it, too. And I'm glad that you kind of shed some light on it. Um, this idea of controlling the game, though, uh, mm-hmm. what is something that, you know, in your opinion, that that kids can do um, to start doing that, to start, you know, controlling the game a little bit more, whether it's holding their angle or communication or all these playing the puck even? I don't know. What do you think? What can they start doing today? Well, it's things it, I like with the advanced guys, it's it's a little harder to explain to the younger goalies because you know, you're worried about, hey, let's keep the stick on the ice. Let's keep the eyes on the puck. But with the older guys, I said, let's take a look at our games and where could we have cut shot total down? Because number one is if the other team's not getting like the less amount of shots that they have, it's just like you look in any, most of those sports, you know, baseball, it doesn't apply, but like basketball, football, they keep a time of possession. Well, if the other team doesn't have the puck, they can't score. So we sometimes take a look back, like if teams just keep firing pucks at the net, part of it is, are you challenging appropriately? Like certain situations, like if it's five on five and everybody's doing their job, mm-hmm. if you're sitting back in the net and they're just firing pucks on that, it means they feel comfortable. You're showing them something. Many times if you're up holding your angle in a five on five and you've got the right coverage, it forces that guy to, you know, hold on to that puck a split second. Maybe now you right. Turnover. One thing I see a lack of, and you were actually, from what I remember, you were pretty good at this. Is like when I was at Princeton and Goldwood, um, Colton bought into it, and you know Ben did all the guys did. I'm a big believer in an active stick, and I I see when plays, and I understand like theories, but I, passes when they go through the crease, like especially like when it's close to the net, like a pass comes right by the side of the post. Yeah. Just it's my personal, and I I'm always open to conversation. That drives me nuts. Like a good goaltender keeps the puck in front of him on the strong. Yeah. You let passes go through your crease, or like come out right like right next to the post. I don't look at the defenseman first. I'm like shame on you. Yeah, totally. I agree. You know, so it's something like that. Um, the little things like you know you hear so much about tracking and vision, but. Um, and this is one I have to give credit. He's now the head coach up at Norwich, but he was my brother's goalie coach at my brother-in-law, I should say, at UMass Lowell, Cam Ellsworth. Yeah. You know, the simple things like stick and vomit. Like if you have an uncontested shot with no threat of screen or a tip and the shot's on the ice, get your stick on the puck. Right. You know, because everybody, great goal scorers know you're trying to put the puck in the corner. Guys don't sit between the hash marks anymore. One, because of D coverage, they're, they're sitting on that weak side post. Yeah. Oh, they're going to sit there. Let's let the puck come off your stick and fly by their chin. A little harder to play it that way. <laughs> you know, um, stick involvement. But also, um, like, it's funny, gut traps. Uh, we call it Jersey pride. Yeah. You know, I'll look at when I'm looking at goalies. Is so many times goalies are worried about being big. If you read that release and you see it's below your shoulders, there's nothing wrong with your nose getting over the top of the puck because now your body makes a concave shape. Puck hits your chest, either sticking to you or it's landing right in front of you. It's not Mm -hmm. kicking back out into the slot. Um, Playing the puck. I'm a big 
proponent. I'm not talking overplaying, but um, we had an issue with the hitman. We had a goalie. He's now up in um, place for South Shore. Evan Zari. He's very good at playing the puck. Mm-hmm. But our defensemen, when they first came in, weren't used to a goalie to play the puck. So he would go get the puck, and they would skate toward him. Mm-hmm. Now you're cuffing his hand. Open up like you'd be on a breakout. Yeah, let him, dri- let him uh, suck a guy in or something like that. Give him an option, right? Exactly. So, you know, being able and communication, like it's how you control the game. If you're not comfortable talking to your teammates and you're not comfortable talking to your coach, then really not a position for you. It's, yeah. it's you have to be able to talk with your coaches. And I'm not, you know, it, it, it's how you learn. You learn your coach's expectations, but then the coach learns you may have a strength that he wasn't aware of. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, uh, and I don't know if you remember when I played, but I would, I literally am one of the most vocal guys out there usually. And, um, I, I've never in my whole career ever had somebody come to me and say, Hey, can you say less on the ice? Um, as long as you're not being like bossy, you're basically being like the quarterback out there. You're calling out plays, you're calling out coverage, all these sort of things, and just bringing things to the guy's attention. Um, and most guys appreciate that. They like that. It makes them look good when they don't let a guy go in the slot, right? If you're like, hey, a guy in the slot, and then he goes, picks him up, all of a sudden he breaks up a play, makes him look great. Same thing if you call A off the glass or, you know, chip it out, chip it out, or middle, reverse, whatever it is. All these types of communications can, one, make – uh, you know, your, your D's life, everybody in the D zones life, just so much easier. And two, it makes them, it makes them look good too. And it kind of builds that bond. It builds that trust and that chemistry, um, between you guys that like, Hey, I got your back. Um, and they'll come out and have yours, uh, you know, when the time comes. Right. But I'm, I'm a big believer in communication and in order to be, be a good communicator too, you got to kind of understand the game, right? From, I guess, from the core level, not just from a goalie's perspective, but what's the forwards trying to do? What's the D trying to do? What's, how's, what's going to make their life easier? Um, what, what's, what's your team running in your zone? You know, I think oftentimes, especially at the next level, like in junior and in college and pro, um, you know, goalies, sometimes they like tune out, you know, oh, we're doing this, we're running this in the D zone and these are our systems. If you know your systems, then you become, you know, in the D zone, you know exactly when something's out of place. And then you, it oftentimes can result in you experiencing way less kind of hardship in your zone, right? Like you're giving up less shots in the slot area because you're saying to F2, hey, funnel in a little bit harder or weak side, weak side or whatever it is. But you have to be able to actually understand at a core level, you know, from a systems perspective of like, What's each guy trying to do? What's each guy's role in their end? Um, I think first and foremost, you obviously got to take care of your job, right? But once you kind of take care of that, I think that next step in terms of communication is like really understanding at the core level what everybody's trying to accomplish in your zone. And then giving guys a little, you know, pointer here and there like, hey, like F2, go, 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 or on the PK or something like that. I'm really passionate about communication. And I, I think it's a really good way for a lot of goalies to stand out that, that uh, quite frankly, not a lot of people are necessarily doing and doing well. Um, so for everybody listening, that's, that's a little bit of a, of a, of a tip there, a way to stand out, but I love that. But finally, um, you know, getting out of the losers mentality. And uh, I kind of like, I like how you put it there. 
because it's not it's 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 it doesn't mean that you are a loser right it's just the fact of if you want results you have to have be in a certain mindset right and when you're okay with losing you're in this mindset of finding ways to lose instead of finding ways to win right even if you get a 30 40 50 shot game um you know like i just i just had a kid a part of my mentorship program we got off the phone and he was like, yeah, we lost 4-3, but I played really good. I had like 43 shots. And I said, well, how about we go over every goal, right? So we go over every goal. And then sure enough, by the end of the conversation, he's talking to me about, you know, how he's like, wow, I didn't really realize. But like, yeah, I could definitely have stopped at least two or three more of those like very easily. And I said, you know what? That's the difference between winning and losing. It's just that mindset of, are you willing to shave that one more inch off your game somehow? Or are you okay with just the results you're getting? And uh, the elite goaltenders really strive to be the best versions of themselves. Whether guys come up to you after the game, oh, you played good, you played good. You know what you're capable of. You know when you let in pucks that you should have stopped or even could have stopped. And um, I think in goaltending, you know, and I say this to everybody all the time that, you know, in goaltending, I think in hockey, we have the highest save percentage on average out of any goalie in any sport in the world, you know which means that basically there's a way more in our control than we think. Right. So once, once you start thinking of the game in terms of like, what's the solutions, right? How can I stop these pucks? Cause I truly believe that almost 99.9% of pucks, there's always something that you could have done to, to put you in a better situation, increase the odds of, of making that save at least. Right. Um, so maybe you can dive into a bit, like what is that loser's mentality what does that idea mean to you and how do you avoid it? What's the pitfall? Uh, that where I, it's perfect. Cause like I told you, like I played on a last place team in college and I went there because like the only looks I had in junior were teams where I realistically knew I was going to go. And it's like, Oh, you're not going to play much. So I ended up at a last place team and, you know, we would get tremendously outshot because it was just, you know, the school didn't have the, the resources or the funds to recruit like other divisions right. did. So, I mean, we, you know, it was standard for me in two games over a weekend to see 160 shots or more in two games. Wow. So no, but it's, it's not no discredit to my teammates. Just it, that school would have been better suited being like a club D one team as opposed yeah. to division three. And, you know, there were nights like, you know, I would go in with the mentality, all right, I'm going to keep this under eight or under seven. And, you know, then there was nights where you got blown out 12 nothing. Right. But I would look at all, and I would get compliments from other coaches. Oh, you made a lot of spectacular saves, this and that. Yeah. But then, you know, so I'm sitting there thinking, well, I'm doing what I should be doing, but I should have been breaking down goals because there are goals I know. Let's face it, you give up 12 goals in a game. Not all 12 are good. Yeah. Where you lose 7-1, right. there are some goals that you want back. And that's one, I, you're right. It's losers. Only reason I call it the loser mentality is I believe in telling guys the truth. And that's a, we like to sugarcoat things and, you know, be politically correct. Let's face it. We're guys we're talking to. If you're motivated, know this, you are in a position that is, you're going to be under the spotlight. Like a Ford can make a mistake and get covered up by a defenseman, vice versa. Well, guess what? Your job is a defenseman makes a mistake, Ford makes a mistake, you cover it up. Problem is you make a mistake, it gets it's put on a tally sheet and a red light goes off. 
and 10,000 people have a lot to say. <laughs> yeah. But where that gets Brita is we get into our own selfish thing because we're so worried about our save percentage and our goals gets average because often, you know, I have so many goalies come to me on weekends. They didn't get the shot count right. And I try to explain them like, number one, and you know from making it, it's you didn't sit there and worry about stat sheets. You know, you just went out and played. If somebody's there yeah. scouting, they're not looking at the shot clock. Yeah, exactly. I understand because people sit there and they're worried about their stats on the site. So you, when you start worrying about that and getting recruited, you become selfish. What I would tell guys, look around your teammates. You want to go out, foster that 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 mentality of you want to go out and you want to play big for the boys. Like Yes. And you listen to the leaders in hockey. Like you listen to a Jonathan Taves talk. You, you listen to, you know, all the great captains in the NHL and, you know, anybody that you've ever played with that was a great captain. You don't hear the word I much. No. And it's just go out and realize, like, they got your back. And you know what? It feels great. And yeah, you love it the night when you come in. Like, I remember a couple of games of pro, and I do stress couple, when I would come in and maybe pull out a win because, like, you know, I went in relief and stood in feels good boys give you a tap on the pads that was awesome yeah. but you know what be the same guy instead of being embarrassed like if you win six five and you know you didn't play good go over tap the boys on the shin pads like you know what thanks man yeah you bailed out tonight i got the next one and you're gonna find you think less about yourself and you get into remember i was saying earlier about the street hockey mentality that's i wish everybody could keep that mentality even all the way through pro you went out. You didn't care if you won six five two nothing. Yeah, man. You just went out and you played, and it was because you were with your buddies, and that's you know that's the best way I can relate it. I mean, I'm I'm sorry if it seems a little. My wife tells me that I go off on tangents, but no, it's good, man. We get it. I get it because it's a self. You have to be motivated, and you do have to have pride in what you do. But when you become so focused on yourself, you lose the end goal, which is your, you and your team winning a game. Yeah. No, man, I'm so glad that, that you said that. I'm, I'm, so, I'm so passionate about having sort of a team-oriented focus and, and really being there for your team. Um, and, and I don't know what it is, and, and I'm gonna make a, I was going to make like a whole episode on this, but that kind of energy that is built, that chemistry that's built, that's what championship teams uh, are made of that's what they fuel off of 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 a, of a brotherhood kind of mentality and like i'm gonna be there for you no matter what and you can bet on that it creates a willingness to do more amongst everybody and it creates this just a super powerful contagious connection of everybody completely playing above probably their potential um and I, i'm really passionate about this idea of having team-oriented focus team-oriented goals and even when I played in like the BCHL, you know, my dad would be saying, he'd be like talking to me, oh, your stats are good. This and that. I'm like, I'm not worried about my stats. All I'm worried about is winning games for the team. And I know my stats will take care of myself if I focus on that first. And that's what happens because when you play in games, all of a sudden you're not like, oh, okay, like I have three breakaways this game. Like, it's okay if I give up one. It's like, well, what if it's a zero, zero game? Well, now you're not worried about the stat column. You're worrying about winning that game you're worrying about doing whatever it takes to win that game to be there for your teammates um and i'm i'm just a huge advocate for for that mindset 
And it's something that I've shared as of recently with a bunch of my mentorship students is that, hey, just, you know, because the guys say like, oh, he wasn't there for me. He he didn't do this. He didn't do that. And you alluded to it that the goals against the goals against that is in your column. And you need to take pride on in every goal that goes in, whether the guys are there for you or not. But I guarantee that if you step up and do your job and you bail them out, that they're going to start doing the same for you. So. No, man, I'm, I'm a big advocate of that as well. That, that energy is just super contagious. It's that quiet leadership that leads to, leads to great numbers. It leads to uh, team success and it leads to championships, quite frankly. So, no, I'm glad you asked that, man. So you were the goalie coach for uh, Princeton University for several years and then also worked with uh, Arizona State as well. Um, but maybe we can dive into what exactly, you know, from your experience separates junior goaltenders and division one college goaltenders. That's a great question. Um, obviously it's evolving because what you see from the freshman goalie into sophomore and junior year of college is going to be different. But what I find once you reach the collegiate level, one goaltenders, the accomplished ones, like the ones who get it, um, their self-awareness of their own game. Mm. They, you know, one, they're definitely open to suggestion. They tend to communicate better, like junior goalies. They come in, it's, you know, you know, you're going from youth to junior. And now you're, you know, you're full of that gusto. I think that time in junior, it makes you a better goalie, but it humbles you. Yeah. But when you come into college, one, you have a maturity. It's a word that gets overused but what i mean in maturity is the self-awareness of your game um the openness to communicate and the what i call is resiliency i tend to see like a, a slump for them usually is one game whereas in junior it can turn two three games sometimes it's you know they the adjustments on the fly and the ability to you know, rein themselves back in tends to be yeah. a little higher at the, the collegiate level. Yeah. So what do you think is the hardest part for, for goalies then transitioning to the college level and, and how exactly can they avoid that in your opinion? Um, hardest point is, well, one, realizing you do have, even though you've been recruited, like say you even come in on a scholarship, give yourself the patience, but also put the confidence in your own skills to realize there is going to be a little bit of a learning curve. Now, granted, there are ones who step right in and they don't miss a stride, but, you know, in your practices, like the timing is going to be different. Like the shooters are smarter. It's, you're not, you know, between junior A and college, like the shots aren't getting that much harder. It's the deception of the shot. The situations change. Yeah. Shooters are smarter. So give yourself, the time to make adjustments and be open to when a coach talks to you. It's not necessarily criticism. They, if they've recruited you, they want you to be successful. Um, so that would be the biggest thing I would say is like the, the advice I would give is just, and also have that confidence in your skills. I see so many goalies like they get downtrodden. Yeah. Like you have the skill, the ultimate slap in the face. Like me, I'm, I have faith. So I believe in God. I look at it. God gave me skill. If I get all down on my talent, then I'm tell I'm rejecting the gifts I was given. Mm. Put faith in what you have. Realize, hey, you know what? I've got the talent. 
let's take a look at this. I'll talk to my coaches, but I'm also going to apply all my experience that got me here. And it is going to get better. You know, don't allow yourself to get overwhelmed. Yeah. So for goalies looking to make that transition to the D1 level, what's something they need to start working on today? You know, where they are, wherever they are, to make sure they're ready for for that quality of play when they finally get there. One, be realistic with yourself. Like, there's no one size fits all. Like, I know how I turned into a, a backup. Like, my first, second, like, I played behind some great goalies. Like, Corey Cooper was the Western Professional Hockey League goalie of the year. Mm-hmm. And all I saw in my own selfish eyes, I wanted to play. Well, I should have been learning. Like, I didn't have to play his style. It's just, like, learn from his composure. Learn from his, mm-hmm. and, like, with Andrew Allen, same thing. Um, so I'm sorry, repeat the question though. Yeah, I know. I'm just like, what are some drills or things that people can do at home that can get them ready today to help them, uh, to be able to transition for the speed or the skill or the play reading or any sort of those things that come with the territory? Well, one, one thing I, I love that you said with drills, um, we kind of like with the drills that we do, we like to call it fluid. Like there'll be, there'll be always an unpredictable air to some drills, the drills that we do. Yeah. The reason is if you're going from junior to college, obviously you have the skill, but you have to realize doing drills that you're just comfortable with, like shot from point A, then shot from point B, that's fixed movement and it's giving you a false sense of security. Yes. You know, there's something you're not comfortable with. Then the thing is address it. Talk to your goalie coach. Like the one formula we've used um, we have, I'm fortunate, the organizations that I work for, whether it be the, the Titans, the Hitmen, Philly Hockey Club, and like New Jersey Rockets, um, I get two goalie practices a week. Sometimes it's one, but it's two. And with the ones where I get two a week, the first session of the week, we'll adjust some things where they have feedback, but it'll be off, you know, what we saw on the prior weekend. It's like, all right, let's make an adjustment. Let's move forward. Mm-hmm. But then the second session, and as long as, and this is always contingent upon that they are doing their job. I was like, I will, is the second session, I can think something looks great. And you know, you, you've had coaches like they think your game is fine, but in the back of your head is the goaltender. Like if I was coaching you back in the day, like, I'd be like, well, not a lot to do. He's got it. But something might be in the back of the head that you're not comfortable with. Yeah. You, so if you came to me on a Thursday pre-skate before you're heading to BC, you know what, Coach? I'm feeling good. Can we just do 15 minutes of gloves and get off the ice? Yeah, you know what? You might be tired. You know your body. So we'll do gloves and you go and you take care of it for a weekend. Hey, you're being accountable. You're doing everything I'm asking. I'm fine. Yeah. But also you may come to me like, you know what? I know it looks good, but I'm not comfortable on breakaways or I feel yeah. like eating on odd man rushes. Can we work on that? Because when you face any fear or self-doubt that you have, that means you're attacking it. It empowers you, and it allows your game to go forward. Don't allow coaches – if somebody's always telling you something you want to hear, run. Don't be afraid of the coach who's going to tell you something that maybe you don't want to hear, but when it hits you, like if somebody says something to you and it stings, there's usually some truth to it. If it just makes you angry, then probably (laughs) – there is no truth to it. But if it stings, because you know in your soul, it's like, all right, yeah, this is something I have to address. Right. But that doesn't mean it's 
me preaching to you, you'd be like, all right. Because if you came to me and you said, you know, like there's a part of the game you didn't like, I'm like, all right, well, what are your thoughts on how you think you can play it better? And then I tell you my thoughts and it becomes a collective energy. So you're empowering yourself instead of relying on me to make you better. I'm actually helping you make yourself better. Yeah. Yeah, no, I love that. Um, and for goalies looking to make that jump to the, to the division one level, even, you know, obviously you're, uh, you're big in the New Jersey circuit there and, and junior hockey, but what's something and and obviously you've been there too. Um, but what's something that goalies and junior need to do, you know, in order to stand out and get seen by scouts and coaches where they are right now to, to even have an opportunity to get an offer, how should they be playing where they are and what should they be doing on the recruiting side of things in your opinion? It sounds very, you know, it's a overused answer, but consistency is number one. Mm-hmm. You see so many, um, you know, they get on hot flashes. Like I, you know, every coach has something that they look for in goalie. For me, I like the guy who has the ability to make the game boring. Like if I'm right. getting a video of you, you send me a, you know, people think it's nuts. You send me a video and it's, you made 25 saves in the game, but literally like 18 of them were one shot and done. That's telling me like, okay, yeah, you're controlling that game. Right. Um, another thing too is coaches will go around and a goaltender, you're quiet. You can be quiet by lead, but I also look, how do you treat the least among you? Like I'll stop in if it's a high recruit, like not just talking to coaches because obviously coaches want to move their players on. Like, I know one thing that they do at the pro level, you know, like when another team is calling about a potential free agent, they'll call the team's trainer. Well, how does he act in the locker room? You know, because I find if you are consistent, not just in your game, but in the way that you act off the ice, you're a leader off the ice, people want to be around you, you're a good character, it tends to germinate and flow into your game. Um. And then just understanding your strikes, like say you're a number two and you're looking to get to be the number one and get recruited. Don't try to replicate what the backup does. If success was so easily followed, Mike, you and I'd be in the NHL too. We would have followed one goalie and done it. <laughs> have the confidence to put your own blueprint on the game. Yes, you need a foundation, but don't be afraid to put your own unique flair on the game. I'm not saying, you know, you necessarily have to go out stacking pads, you know, <laughs> diving and stuff like that. But I'm saying is there may be something you can bring to the game. Don't be afraid to do it. Don't be afraid of fa- a failure. Be be more committed to success. Yeah. Yeah. You got to kind of find your own identity. That's really what people uh, find what you're good at. And I always say double down on it. Right. Because. You know, people people didn't invest in me because I was six feet. They invested in me because I, you know, you know, I competed and I controlled that game, even though it was a little bit shorter. That was my identity, right? And I think that everybody's got to really work to figure out what's your identity. What what when people get Mike Santaguida or George Bozak in the cage, do they know what they're getting? Are they, you know, what are they getting? You know, and you need to be able to define that. And that in itself will define you. Um, you know, as a goaltender and people will buy into that and um, it might not fit one guy's <laughs> what he's looking for, but it might fit a couple other guys. Right. And uh, I guess you can't make everybody happy. You got to be yourself. 
but you got to be true to your identity. And I feel like the goalies that are true to their identity find what works for them and they stick to it and they double down on those things. Those are the guys that move on to the next level. At 100%, like that was very articulately said. It's just the knowing what you had. Like for me, the reason I kept signing contracts wasn't my goals against average or save percentage. Coaches knew they were going to get a guy first on the ice, last off. You can take your one-timers. I'm not going to complain about the high shots coming to practice. <laughs> and you can stick me in the net on the night when, you know what, our, first, our starter's not feeling it. And I might have to take a lump for the team. Like you're in there and, or there's going to be nights where, Hey, even if you're having an off night, we're not yanking you because, you know, your starters, they were trying to move up. You would save their numbers. Me. Hey, I yeah. know and I'm going to take a lump tonight. You know, we got, it's, it is what it is. And yeah. when you're willing to accept your role, but also when you're realistic with your strengths, your game will grow, but also people, find strength in it there's a coaches find strength in a guy who's calm and has a confidence about his game yeah absolutely and uh it gives them confidence to invest in you right absolutely um, so um you know maybe we can move on a bit um but the fall you know you, you the last few years uh you know you spent um a lot of time uh, coaching in, in uh, New Jersey, in the NCDC, in the NAHL, and, and the USPHL. Um, but maybe before we dive into some development stuff, you can just give some insight on on sort of the difference in caliber between all the leagues and, um, you know, who each league is probably best suited for for kids looking to decide where they should be targeting to play next year. Yeah, and that's a great question. <laughs> it's funny because you get a lot stepping on toes. Um, yeah, well, you know, I, I think it just shed some good light. I, the league's honestly changed so much too, like even over my years. So it's, I think it'll give everybody a little bit of a bigger picture in terms of exposure, what they should be doing. Yeah. Like the, it's because USHL is very high skill league. And if you see it, it's moving toward, you know, it's a younger league, like the, the young prospect, like you legitimately, you're a guy who's figured it out early. You have. Yeah resolve to your game it's a very clean game you're you know that's it's you know what can you say i just i view it as you know it's for the u.s it's like it's very elite league the skill level um you're at the na level it's where you get the guys who it's the same thing but it's a more um i'll say it's a little more rugged than USHL, more contact. It's, you know, the, and plus the way the divisions are set up, like you're playing, sometimes you're playing the same team like 12 times a year. Yeah. So you get those rivalries going. Um, <laughs> I call it a veteran league um, because you'll get guys who, you know, maybe start USHL, haven't gotten their commit yet. Um, so they're, you know, you get some guys who are trickling down from there. Goaltenders there, like, it's weird because USHL and the NA both have fantastic track records yeah. for producing division one goalies. Mm -hmm. So the only thing that I see is like in the NA, it's a goaltender who has been in the USHL or like we even have a goalie this year from Saskatchewan league where they've done their job, but they still haven't gotten somebody to get that commit. So you could come in and, you know, like even last year we had, um, Ryan McKinchak came to us from USHL, mm -hmm. came in and tore it up for a month before the uh, pandemic started. 
and you got to commit to um, AIC. So Good for him, you know, it's it's a veteran league, and then the NCDC. I still consider that, and you can tell me if I'm wrong. In its infancy, now I know it used to be the old EJ, yeah, but in the sense that now it's a you know no pay league. What I'm finding there is that the league's getting stronger. Like it used to be divided, having like you had your top tier, like your top half of the league was very strong, and your bottom half, mm-hmm. you know, had some work to do. And part of that was because they were new programs. But like I'm seeing this year is like um, I think the one team, and of course you may have worked for them, but Philly Hockey Club, they're going to have a rather quick turnaround because of the staff they brought in. Uh, Ryland Furster, he was a coach out in the BCHL. Nice. Um, so he has his recruiting power. But the nice thing with the NCBC, what I believe is like, you know, in the Northeast, you have Hockey's Conference, you have, um, you know, the Atlanta ECAC. So for those schools, they like it. You know, you'll see guys who are maybe already committed but need another year of junior. Yeah that come into that league because it's weird. You have a mix of young and old in the NCDC. Right. Nice thing is that the league's grown in pro- prominence, but you know, colleges, they like it because for them, that's an easy trip. you like, you don't have to jump on a plane for a recruiting trip. Yeah, totally. You can go right up to, you know, New England sports center, which everybody in the hockey world has visited. Uh, yeah. Showcase. Um, <laughs> but it, it's not, so it's, all the leagues have something to offer. Um, you know, like I said, is I, you know, I personally just, USHL is like, I just look at that very, you know, very high skilled. And the NA is very skilled as well. It's just, I look at the NA being a little more older league, like a little more of a veteran league. Yeah. And what about the USPHL? Well, USPHL is, so that's where you get into your premier because um, the NCDC is part of the USPHL. So like the USPHL, that's where you get into like, maybe you've just come out of midget, not necessarily ready yet for that jump, you know, to US, um, to USHL NA. Um, you go to the premier because, you know, you have some programs, some very strong programs like the Rockets had an incredibly strong program at premier last year mm-hmm. um, where you pay that time in. But the good thing about those leagues, you learn how to live on your own and, manage yourself like coming out of youth hockey and even like prep school let's face it you're supervised all the time you, yeah and you're on a you're on a, a regiment well now when you get to the like the usphl the na the ncdc the ushl you know now granted there's times where you're going to live with a billet but you still have to take care you got to manage your own schedule right. are you properly are you getting enough sleep so, you know, that's the good thing with all these leagues. Yeah. It's like uh USPHL sort of like if you're not ready to make that transition to like a, a higher tier two kind of caliber. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Or like, you know, you were just like, say you're a, you know, fourth liner or you're a third goalie on NCDC. Well, you know, practice can only bring you so much. Yeah. Go to the USP premier team, get log a lot of minutes develop your game, you know, go, go to a program where you feel that coach is going to get the most out of you. Yeah. 
No, I love that. It's uh, I, I, I think there's just such a shakeup all the time, right? But but kind of talking to somebody who's right in the heart of it, um, you know, kind of shed some light on it a bit. But um, diving into some things sort of on the development side a little bit more, you know, what do you think is the hardest part for goalies transitioning from either club or prep to the, the junior level? Uh, just w- what I was saying right there is the now you're on your own to take care of yourself. Like when you're in youth, you've had your parents making sure you're getting to sleep and you're getting to practice on time. You know, I, we say it all the time, you know, you have the team fines and stuff like that. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> but guys coming in, you know, if you're on time, you're late, you know, that saying, um, knowing how to take care of your body, like the stretching, like now you don't have mom and dad harping on you. You don't have somebody micromanaging you all the time. You have to learn how to, be your own, be your own person. Um, yeah. As far as play wise, well, now the rest really comes in because your schedules, youth. Yeah, now let's face it, at youth level, there are teams that play upwards of 70, 80 games, which I'm like, is outrageous. Uh, it's <laughs> I know, right? It's crazy. But you still have mom and dad making sure you're getting the rest. But you go to prep and. You know what? Do you have twenty-five games max? Twenty-five, thirty. Yeah. Now it's like jump twenty-five, thirty. Yeah. Now you're jumping to a junior league, and you're doubling those amount of games. You're probably practicing more. Um. So it's, you know, fatigue starts managing into your game. Like, I find it more the management. You have to realize that your body is your instrument. Yeah. So are you hydrated properly? Are you taking care of the little injuries? Because you know, let's face it, if you're coming out of youth or prep and a junior team's talking to you, you already have the skill. Mm-hmm. But there are, you're now, your skill is going to be tested under, now there's different different variables mm-hmm. thrown in the equation. Well, you even see it in the NHL, like if obviously everybody, I mean, most probably were that were listening, but you just see that, that fatigue that kicks in, the fatigue factor so huge, right? Um, and even when I won my like BCHL championship, you know, I, I came from prep and then I went to the BC and, uh, that's a big factor that, that, uh, being able to manage your body, being able to manage your health and your energy levels, doing the right things off the ice. So you can play that much hockey at that intensity, which is something that most kids aren't used to sort of at the youth level. So, um, you know, you got to figure out what's the right recovery. What's, what's the right nutrition? What's the right amount of sleep? Um, what's my routines, like all these sort of things that you've never really thought about before to, to put the odds in your favor, because it's, uh, it's strenuous. And even honestly, like I, I'm, I'm a little grateful at the same time. Like, I think I was fortunate to have played just a lot of hockey, even in minor hockey, you know, playing majority of the games kind of everywhere I went, I made sure that if I was going in a situation where I'd play, but looking at some of these guys that are playing junior for like four or five years, that's just like a crazy amount of crazy amount of wear and tear on their body what do you think about that oh it's it's absolutely insane and that's where like these guys don't realize like one thing that's we do with like a lot of the skating drills we do um and it was very complimentary you'll you'll actually appreciate this and you'll get into the wear and tear on the body um a couple years ago i was at bridgewater sports arena in bridgewater new jersey and we were running a clinic and a um, uh, gentleman who I coached for is Bryce Salvador. And he had Johan Hedberg was in the building meeting with him. 
So I'm running like, you know, my coaches and I are running this clinic and I'm running the skating portion. Mm-hmm. And somebody taps on the glass like, oh, Mr. Hedberg would like to speak to you. And I'm just getting ready like this. I'm like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> doing everything wrong. And, you know, it's, here we go. So I go over to talk to him for a little bit. And he goes, oh, he's like, I like your skating drills. He's like, I noticed, though. He's like, why don't they go down? You know, you're not, you're not sliding. I'm like, well, I was like, one, I was like, this is in season. I was like, these guys are already probably butterflying, you know, 300 times of practice. And then you got games. Yeah. But I said, you know, going down and sliding, that's not skating. It doesn't establish strength on edges, nor does it establish confidence. Right. And he said he loved the answer. And I was like, thank God. I felt like I just passed. (laughs) Good for you. (laughs) Yeah. Goalie coaching life. And, um, but I was fortunate because then after that, like he and I got, he wanted to come over. We did a camp together, but to the point of where you said with the exhaustion, I can't imagine like over like playing junior for five years. Like that's how talented some of these guys got. Like we played my age group, like we played midget all the way up to 18. Then you think about junior to 19, you got some kids now are so talented. They're playing at 16 and you know, now there's more practices, like teams now have three, four practices a week. So the recovery aspect is, to me is like, you know, if you're going to, you can invest in hockey, um, getting a trainer and making sure like in your off season, getting into, it's so important. They say like other sports, but even if it's not like just other types of functional movement, because the number one thing that causes injury is repetitive use. Yeah. Is like you look at these football players and everybody's wondering how they got the best trainers in the world. How can they blow out a knee three weeks in? It's because they're so strong and they have so much force that the first time their joint turns in a way that it hasn't been trained to turn, all that force is leaning on that joint and it blows out. Go do other things, get into different range of motions because those are going to be the support muscles for, you know, your body in season. And plus, mentally, you're going to want to be back in the rink. Mm-hmm. So. No, for sure. No, uh, it's, you know, when I got to college, I, I, like I said, I, I only played, I played junior when I was 16. I played a bunch of games as affiliate, and then I went prep, and then I went back to junior for a year. But guys were literally wobbling into Vermont with like, uh, you know, they were needing total hip reconstruction, total soldier shoulder reconstruction. I'm like, man, like. I, I feel like I dodged a, a bit of a bullet going going the prep way, but like I said, like you got to play games too, right? Um, and that's the biggest thing is like even with the skating you're doing, you're not bogging them down sort of away from the ring because on a junior schedule, I mean my junior year, the the year I played junior before I went to UVM, I think I played like sixty five games or something because we went all the way to the the national championship. That was the most games ever played in a year in my entire life. Um, and I remember going into Vermont because we finished hockey in like June or something. It was like the end of May. It was crazy. I had like a month and a half. And I literally was I literally was off the ice for like almost the entirety of that time because my body was just in shambles. Um, so something that I think a lot of young guys need to focus on is um is, you know, on that recovery side. You really gotta take care of your hips, your joints. Cause when you're young, you know, we, we talk about this thing of like a pitch count, 
you know, and honestly, I, I feel like I wore myself out a bit in my younger years too, like just grinding, grinding down, grinding down, not focusing enough on recovery. And it sort of caught up with me a bit, I, I would say, into my older age now. But you don't really realize it until you kind of hit 24, 23, 24. Then all of a sudden, the joints start hurting a little more. All of a sudden, your your diet matters a little more, your your sleep, your uh, your routines and all these sort of things. Um, so my, my advice would be take care of it when you're young, yeah. right? You guys want to, you guys want to have long careers. You know, I, I talked to a few other kids and they're like, yeah, I'm probably going to retire after junior. Like I'm in shambles. And, and do you really want that to be the, the, you know, the highlight of your career? Everybody's goal is to sort of get to that next level and, and even eventually play pro hockey. But, um, I guess my advice to all the young guys is, it matters a lot more than you think, even if you don't feel it. And it's something that you can also one do to, um, uh, have a longer career, but two actually have some create more success in your game as a young guy. Cause you're not just relying on your total youth to, to get you through. Right. Absolutely. And yeah. you know, you, you train well, like, and you know what, part of that I put on us as coaches, cause it's like, you know, we, did, have you ever run into this, this paradox where you see it with youth hockey at the youth at like might and sport? They want to teach them one thing because I understand like teams want to win games, but they'll tell yeah. them, well, just stand up because they're so worried about the high shots going in. But then because goalies at that age, they just want to please their coaches and they take everything so literal. I've gone to night games this year where a guy will come in and you can tell the goalie's so worried about just standing up. The guy shoots one on the ice and he doesn't move. And the coach, and he's like, well, why? Well, coach told me not to go down. Wow. And, like we get so worried about success. It's like, hey, let allow them to be fluid and loose. It's like, how about, hey, if the puck's low, go down. And if yeah. you read like it's a, it's a situation, like it's far enough away, you can read it's high. Then yeah, stay on your feet. Yeah. Um, but we don't make it enough of a curriculum because it's like, you know, you only have so many hours a week, but it's at least informing getting them at a young age, it's telling them, look, guys, I want you to, and it's why, like, I get my brother-in-law to come back a lot, Paige, yeah. Ben Cross, who's at Miami of Ohio, to talk to goalies, and it's like, look, guys, the one thing, even from their young ages, um, I didn't have to talk to them about that. They sacrificed everything at a young age, and it wasn't their parents telling them they had to do it. They wanted to do it realize like just on ice is not part of the package. Are you willing to buy into everything? Yeah. And, you know, with the young kids, you got to make it fun. So you, you know, you do different off ice activities, you know, that gets their stretching in, but it's very introductory. And then as you get the peewee and Bantam, it gets a little more instructional, you know, and, but then by the time they hit, you know, they're getting into second year of Bantam and Midget. It just has to be second nature. You know, mm -hmm. just like you warm up before a game, your stretching got to be a routine when you get up in the morning before you go to school. Right. And post-practice, like that's the one everybody forgets about. It's like after practice, get all that lactic acid out of your muscles. Yeah, it's huge, man. The I, I actually didn't, I, I didn't, I don't think I did a fantastic job of it when I was younger. That's kind of what I'm alluding to is that that post-practice recovery routine. And it kind of caught up with me and my, my trainer in, uh, in college taught me how important it was. And when I would do it, it was like night and day, you know, you could get more work in, 
during the week. Like if you're somebody that likes to work hard, well, you know, I, and I had, um, a gentleman, he was the director of player performance for the Detroit Lions in the NFL. And his whole motto is recover smarter. Uh, so you can train harder, right? You can do more reps in a week. If you're recovering properly, your career is going to go a lot longer. If you're recovering properly, if you're doing the right thing, if you're, um, you know, supporting your body on the physical side of things. So, um, no, man, huge, huge advocate for recovery. And uh, we won't go into all of it right now, but uh, can, can, uh, is, is something that a lot of younger kids should be focusing on. And definitely with the wear and tear of juniors, super important. Um, but for goalies sort of looking to make that jump, I guess, to the junior level, what's something they can do to, to get on more scouts radar and get more exposure to have an opportunity to, to get seen by teams? You know, how do you guys, you know, how does the whole recruiting process work for your junior teams? Maybe you can shed some light on that. Um, well, obviously, I mean, unfortunate levels matter. I mean, for, you know, like for it's, it's like for NCDC, NA, things like that, you know, tier two, honestly, we don't spend a lot of time at that. So if you were tier two now, obviously you want to get that jump to tier one. Right. Tier one teams, like the thing, obviously the show, you know, teams that can get to those in, in season showcases and tournaments, that's a big, you know, that's a big help. But I've also seen like, you know, if I, if somebody writes me and I get a well, you know, not long, but a, you know, well-written letter, but you kind of just showcase, like, I like it when I can see a goalie who, you know, a lot of guys, because they hear they want to get on the so- showcase teams, you know, they'll try to run to the top team in the league. And, yeah. You know, and I understand the pressure with that. It's, hard because they do they do get a lot of visibility that's that's just fact yeah i've also taken notice to goalies where a team maybe the year before maybe they were 500 or sub 500 but now all of a sudden they're either second or third in the league oh okay and it's you find out you know they got a different goalie Mm. opportunity for you to stand out right yeah and it helps you know I certainly will. Um, I do my research on emails and like people are like, Oh, you don't always respond. Well, it's sometimes you get an email and you take a look and you know, one, I, I'm sure you think you get a ton of emails in your inbox, but you have to make sure like what you put in the email matches, like when you go on hockey DB, it yeah. can't, you know, Hey, I had a 93 save percentage and go on hockey DB and it says 87. Well, maybe the truth somewhere in between, but I need <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um as far as but it's also having the coach be an advocate for you and that's why i say communication is important mm. when you go to choose a team for a year yes it's important to be on a team that's going to play the right schedule right? there's no two ways around it but also don't like as players you got to realize you also control your career so many times we just look at it as coaches control it or advisors control it one thing we, you and I had just talked about before, having that confidence, put your own stamp on the game. Mm-hmm. When you're going to look at a team during the year, talk to the coach, but don't say everything. Like, Don't be afraid to ask a question. And if you don't like what you hear, you know maybe that team's not a fit for you. Yeah. You know, be like, oh my God, I'm not going to play for this team. I would rather play for a team that's not so much in the spotlight, but I'm going to improve as opposed to, 
oh, I got on this team, but then you get there and you find out you're not a fit. And by January, you're not even in the net. Yeah, or on the roster. <laughs> exactly. Like, that's the crazy thing nowadays, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, it's uh, – yeah, I'm. I, I, you know, you, you gotta kind of find that right fit, and you gotta ask questions. I, I say that to guys. Hey, did you ask him what his goalie situation was like? What is he? What did he say? Um, and when you kind of dig a bit and you put some coaches on the spot without being rude or arrogant, you know, you're just asking honest questions about sort of what their expectations are and all these sort of things. It helps put you in a, in a bit of a bigger picture of like, hey, do, do, do I fit into this team? Do I fit in here? Am I going to get opportunity if I prove myself? Is it merit based? Um, all these sort of things. But, you know, you got to be careful um, in that sort of you know, and sort of my mentorship program is, you know, it really does. If you're going to reach out to coaches there, it really does matter what you say to them, right? Certain, certain terminology you say, certain things you put down, the, the way you word in everything. Um, it really kind of strikes people. Is this a good kid? Is he well-spoken? Does he care about other people or does he care about himself? And there's so much that uh, you, you, I'm sure you get just drilled with, with emails. I get drilled with kids asking me is this okay to send the coaches and and i'm usually there like helping them out and retyping it like hey like this is this is what they want to hear they want to see that you're a good kid you're looking for an honest opportunity you know what i mean um and uh and then obviously uh so doing that kind of outreach matters but getting the results matter too like you said uh nowadays you can't hide right you can't hide your results really it's all on the elite prospects right yeah you know what i'm glad you you just you saying that just struck a light bulb in my head. Let's hear it. So is my brother-in-law, he started at UMass Amherst and he ended up at UMass Lowell, which ended yeah. up the best thing in the world for him. But I love what Cam Ellsworth did and uh, Norm Bazin did. One thing, and I don't know if you've seen this, like when your goalies will send you a video, hey, is this cool? They send you a highlight reel. <laughs> and what what we'll do with Kevin, they're like, look, we want video of four games. Yeah. And Kevin called me. It was funny because he goes, all right, they want my best game. They want my worst game. They want a game that's typical of me. And then he's like, the fourth game is a game of my choice. He's like, what do you think I should send him? I said, your second best game, you, you moron. So, you know, he, he, so he sends the four games, but what boys don't realize, like sometimes you can send me what I think is your worst game. Like maybe you lose seven, one, I'm going to look and I watch the game and I'm like, you know what? There's something there that I can, you can work with this. Like that's an easy adjustment. Like the game's not too fast for you. It's just, you're doing too much here or, Hey, you know what? You're on a team that's not as strong as ours, but you're going to fit into our defensive philosophy with what you do. Don't be afraid to like put out, things that you need to work on because if you have a coach a coach is going to get you and realize you're not a finished product because what a coach does he brings you in on your strengths but he develops your game even more so i would say put in you know try to put together like if you're going to put together a clip be like strengths weaknesses or even like hey here's some clips from a good game i had here's some clips from an off game and here's what right. you expect from me yeah, I like that a lot, actually. Well, when I sent my film to uh, to the team in Belgium, um, they actually they were they were like, "Oh, we just want to see your th we want to see your three best games." <laughs> so I was like, "Sure." <laughs> hey, I can do that. 
<laughs> <laughs> Obviously, we're all for that. But no, I, I like that. And honestly, the coaching staff at Lowell, I, I can't say uh, enough good things about them. Obviously, they won the Hockey East Championship uh, several years while I was there. They were a nightmare for us. It was a dogfight every time we played them. But it just spoke to every player that they got, the, the goalies they got, everybody that came through their program was just so ready to, to move on to the next level. Um, and, uh, clearly the coaching staff there is onto something. Cause it's true. Like obviously he's a goalie. And I even talked to, uh, Ben Sire, who is, uh, the coach at Cornell. He's been there for about 10 years now, I believe. Great and, guy. Uh, the, the, the he, great guy. Um, but, uh, you know, he kind of was talking about, we know Macalida that even on a bad night, if we put him in, he's still going to find ways to win. He's still going to compete. And I think that there's something to be said about goalies that can take a shot and get up. And even on a bad night, um, great goalies know how to play good, even on a bad night. And great coaches want to see how you react against that, adver- uh, you know, when adversity comes. How resilient are you? And um, goalies that develop that resilience and, and take pride in that, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, you're going to have bad days. You're going to have bad games. And, uh, you know, hopefully rarely you're going to have bad weeks and months, right? But um, coaches want to see guys how they act under, you know, when things aren't going well. Do you freak out on your teammates? Do you have bad body language? Do you give up? Do you just throw in the towel? Or do you are you resilient in that aspect, right? Exactly. It's having – comes back to said earlier, having that confidence in the skills that you have and realizing with those skills, you will overcome and you will endure and you will improve. It's when you put that bad body language on, if you don't believe in yourself, then how can you ask a coach to believe in you? Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. No, I love that. Well, I want to dive into your work with uh, some of your top goaltenders and, uh, you know, even guys like I, I've seen that, you know, we've mentioned it throughout the conversation, Kevin Boyle, who... Uh, recently inked a deal with the Detroit Red Wings. So I actually played against a lot in college, great goaltender, you know, well-deserved accolade. Um, but obviously you know him well, but I'm just curious in your opinion, what are some of the main things, you know, that separate him from everyone else that, that allowed him to thrive in college and, and is now allowing him to thrive at the pro level? Well, we'll, we'll start off. Like I said, I seem like mother goose with all the funny stories I'm going to throw at you. Let's hear them. <laughs> his, um, well, his, parents my in-laws now yeah um his parents can tell you this this is a true story i started coaching well first i started coaching his brother uh his brother john who was a very good goalie in his own right now is just a wizard architect down in dc and he's you know he's he's just the genius but um <laughs> after i started coaching john i had um kevin came to me at well, i want to say nine ten years old yeah. Well, after I want to say two months of coaching him, I looked at his parents. I was like, look, we're going to have a bet. I said, I'm hoping I coach him this long. Um, but I said, I'm going to guarantee you this kid's going division one. And they're like, what are you talking about? He's nine or 10 years old. And they were very realistic parents. Never. Yeah. <laughs> and is that me with any magic pixie dust? No, 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 no. If I was that good of a coach, I wouldn't be at youth right now. I would have been retired from <laughs> an island by now. Um, <laughs> but there were just things that he naturally grasped that, like, the way he could read a play, because, like, it wasn't that you could take slap shots on him. 
uh, young kids sometimes are fast. Like it's not that you can throw, but the way he would read games, his composure when we would do drills, like how he would hold his edges, how he could mm-hmm. replay, how he would track pucks. And I don't know why, to this day, I don't know why I said what I said. It's just something instinct told me that this kid was going D1 mm-hmm. down the line if he could keep some of this room. Well, sure enough, <laughs> fast forward, you know, now 10 years. Yeah. He, he, um, he was playing for the New Jersey Rockets. I was with Bob Thornton at the time. And I'm running a practice. And at the time, I was a little bit known as a drill sergeant. I was a little bit of a hothead at the time. And I'm running a practice for a team. And I hear all this yelling, hey, Coach George. And I'm like, and I yell at the top of my lungs, who's interrupting my practice? And it says Kevin and his parents come in, and they brought in a couple of bags of wine. I'm like, <laughs> and they're like, he did it. And they're like, you were right. I'm like, what am I right with? They're like, you just got a you know, full ride to UMass Amherst. And I'm like, wow. well, it was like, and so they, you know, they said, how did you know? And it was, it had nothing to do with me. It's where it had to do with, he would, you'll hear natural athletes, but he's somebody who understood like his net, like he rarely got out of place. Mm, he was a kid. How to frame the net. How to frame the net. Exactly. He was right. He, Never got caught out of position. Whether he had an off day or a great day, he was the same kid. He was just like, okay, Kevin, you just won a game. What do you want to do? I want to go see puppies. Kevin, <laughs> lost a game. I want to go see doggies. Like, you know, whatever. And here was a guy who just the game came naturally to him. And you could see it each year as it progressed. Like, as he got stronger, his skill set became more refined. Mm. And played at upper levels and the game got faster. Yeah. He would go through an adjustment phase, but as he played more, he got better. And he, he's one of these guys who would, you throw a concept at him or like, you know, obviously at nine, it was like throw a save technique at him literally within a week or two. He had it. Yeah. So for him, it was his natural ability. But what I will tell you is watching him at the pro level has been you know, it's great because he's family now. And, you know, yeah. to be honest, like his professional development more has been with Cam Ellsworth, you know, Cam, you know, like it, he'll come and skate with me, but, you know, he works for Cam and obviously you got your pro goalie coaches. Like yeah. um, have some friends with Jeff Salako, who's Detroit nice. goalie coach. And I know Phil Sayre does the uh, development out there. So Kevin's going to get to work with him quite a bit. Yeah. But he, um, the, the things of his game, like in junior, you know, you could yell at him, but he knew what his strengths were. Like guys would want him to play a certain style and he'd be like, he would have the confidence. That that's not me. He's like, I'm going to take care of the first shot. You're not going to get flash out of me. Like I'm not, you know, this guy's going to dive around the crease. Right. You remember you played against him. He's just, Oh yeah. Very, very technical, very technical, very calm, but he has so much confidence in his feet. That like I always watch. I love watching him in shootouts because you he doesn't move first, and I just I find that you know it's it's remarkable and it's just something he was naturally gifted in that he had that much confidence in his skills. But it was never about him. He just he loves playing hockey. You you won't yeah. hear him bring up his name. You know, anytime I ask him like when he was out in Anaheim, 
about a shutout. It was a big moment, but he was more talking about his family and how much it, you know, it was awesome that the guys in Anaheim rallied around him. And, you know, it's, it's the, the calm nature of it, of him that he bought into controlling the game and that he knows how to simplify the game. Mm, Yeah, I know. I love that. Sounds like a pretty selfless guy. Yeah. Like, you know, like I said, he's taught me a lot about the game because I took the term coach because I got, when I started coaching him, I was still, we'll call it in my infancy of coaching. (laughs) I thought a coach, you know, you were telling them what to do. No, your job is to learn about your athlete. Mm. And he's one of the guys responsible for molding how I am as a coach, realizing you need your athletes input if you're going to be successful. Yeah. Right on, man. Well, uh, another great goaltender that uh, you're close with is, is Peyton Jones. who I also played against in college a couple times as well. Great goaltender. Um, we're actually going to have him on the show, I think in the next couple of weeks here. So it'd be interesting to, to get his take a bit, but, uh, you know, also after a, a very successful college career, managed to make a deal with, uh, Colorado and they're an amazing organization in the American hockey league, uh, recently moved up from the coast, but maybe you can give us an inside look into, you know, what you think makes him such a great goaltender, what exactly separates him, you know, among so many other goaltenders that that's allowed him to excel for such a long time now. His character is forged in a couple of things. One, his parents are the like his dad's blue collar working like drywall guy. Yeah. Uh, mom's a nurse. Like they are so down to earth, but there's no everything is hard work earned. Just you know, I don't want to hear complaints. I don't want to hear about the problem. I want to hear about solution. But mm. Aiton was forged in fire, and what I mean by that is he's a guy who was always underestimated or not given a shot, like around here. And because like the 96 birth year was a, a very strong birth year for goaltending, mm-hmm. at least in our district. Yeah. And people are like, oh, he's not clutch. Oh, he's good. But and people always, well, we're going to take a chance on him. But and they didn't take a chance on him. Right. So Classic. He, he kind of got forged in. Oh, you know what? You're going to tell me I can't. I'm going to show you I can. Yes. Love that. And he has that absolute laser like you know sometimes like and i'll say it as his coach like he can be a stubborn like him and i'll talk about things and i'll want to tell him things and he'll just you know and over time either i'll learn he was right or he'll learn that i was right <laughs> and he could be stubborn but what i admire about it is he never just blankly tells me no if i say something he's like well no this is what works for me and there's no apologies for it. Like so many times coaches or like a player will talk to his coach and be like, this works for me. I'm sorry, coach, but no, he, there's no apology. This is just the fact. And I always respect it with him because I know his background. I know he's very respectful, um, how his parents are, but he's just somebody where he, he knows I'll make a mistake, but he's like, that's fine. I feel good. Like, cause I remember we talked after one game last season where he didn't, have one of his better games he's like that's okay i feel good and it's it'll be fixed next week so by having all these people telling him knowing that he couldn't he now knows he can take any obstacle and he's gonna you just have to let him germinate and grow like you know like he's going to the ahl level now so guess what yeah you're gonna go through a learning curve whether you think it or not you're gonna have a learning curve but I anticipate like some big things from him. I'm, you know, 
I'm looking forward to seeing him and my brother brother in law face off. So Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah. No, that uh I mean it's just the it's at the core of what resiliency is all about. And um, you know, I was kind of in my region too. You know, I got overlooked in the OHL draft when I was like fifteen. And uh I I, I loved I it was I always say that it was you know, like maybe if I did get drafted, things would be different, but I still wouldn't be the person I am today because of it made me start playing with the chip on my shoulder. And when you when you're forging fire like that, like like the way you put it, you and you feel like you have nothing to lose. You know, that's a dangerous person. And you're you're on the hunt to uh, prove a lot of people wrong. And uh, when you're motivated by uh, people putting you down, you know, it's it's one of the most fierce and and uh, strong types of motivation you can have of just like proving people wrong. And maybe it's certain people's personalities too, that kind of click with that type of resiliency. Um, but I just noticed that so many guys that uh, are able to get to that next level, it's like whether Peyton or I experienced that in minor hockey, you know, um, and even Kevin sounds like he was an absolute resilient guy, but you even talk to guys who were spoon fed and then all of a sudden they get into pro and, um, you know, they're like, wow, like this is, this is hard, you know, eventually in your journey, you're going to experience a point where you're going to have to be resilient. You're going to experience adversity. And if you don't develop that skill of resilience, develop that skill of being able to fail, correct and move forward and grow, um, have a process oriented kind of view on your development, you're going to be in a tough spot when you finally do face, uh, adversity because it's inevitable, right? Uh, 100%. You know what? It's like if it could, this could be a sidebar to what you just said. The biggest mistake, and I've seen it with goalies I had in the past, and I would, you always want to be respectful, but um, I've seen it where parents like, and it happens a lot at AAA level, like at the younger level. Well, I want my son to be the only goalie on the team, or I'm only coming there if he gets 70% of the games. You're not helping your kids develop it. Yeah. Because guess what? You may be able to get that, you know, through some areas of youth. But once you get to prep, once you get to college, it's there's no one A, B, C. No, I mean, it's different. Like I said, you dominated, so you earned being in the net every night. But you, I also believe, were fueled by, hey, I don't do my job tonight. There's somebody waiting in the wings that can do it. Oh, yeah, job. for sure. <laughs> So many of these goalies, I've seen a bunch of goals. I've seen, I, and obviously not going to name them. I can think of two goaltenders I coached in the past that should have gone Division One, but because they were always on teams where, okay, I'm the only goalie. The first time they got to junior, and now they had to compete with somebody else. Yeah, incredible. They, they didn't get a start because they didn't play good the night before. Uh, you know, the, it was a system overload. Mm-hmm. I would. I would rather much say, like, if I'm going to recruit a goalie, I want to know that you've had hard times. You know, like, if you want a championship every year, every year, every year, well, guess what? You're coming to a team. Every team in our league can win a championship. So yeah. it's not going to be that easy. Yeah. Um, well, even uh, Ben Sire actually said to me, he said that, um, you know, we actually look for guys who are sort of – they're willing to take that chance. Like I went, I tried to go to the USHL, even though the odds were like severely stacked against me. And he was like, that's exactly the kind of guy, the the kind of players and goalies that coaches want. 
because it shows that one, you're willing to take a risk and you're not scared to fail, but two, that you're right, you're you're already facing some adversity before you come to school and that you're ready to overcome it, that you're willing to overcome it, that you can overcome it. Um, and, and I, and I, there's so many goalies, even where I was from, you know, players, even like, you know, uh, the OHL draft is, is like where in, in my region, it's kind of like every kid's sort of dream, right? It's like, you grow up hearing about the OHL. I'm sure it's like that in the Western league and in the QMJHL. Right. Um, but when you finally, you know, if you don't get a lot of kids, they, they don't get drafted and it's like their life is over their career. They quit hockey, a bunch of kids quit hockey, you know, and that's your first taste of adversity. So, um, you know, you need to develop that skill. Uh, maybe we can just dive quickly into how you think is a good way to approach adversity. How do you sort of develop that? How do you get over failure? That, that's a great question because you know what, that's something I didn't figure out until late because um, the best way to get over failure is let your love of the game take over. I'm going to give you a quick personal story. Like I really don't sure. have to hide is if you look at my hockey DB, like you look like I played in the SP, I was a third goaltender in the United League for a year. And then I played in the Western Pro League behind Corey Cooper and just painfully, mm-hmm. to painfully back up numbers. And then everybody looks and they're like, okay, you took four years off and we see one game with Trent. And what was that all about? Honestly to you, like I stopped playing. Like after going, you know, backing up the last year in the Western Pro League. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I was filled with so much self-doubt, but then I was mad at myself at the same time because like, I never let myself play. I was always trying to either be like Coop, not understanding, hey, there's a starter. That's how it works at the pro level. Just accept yeah. the whole. And if you had fun, you'd have played more and you would have enjoyed it more. So fast forward and I um, set, it was, you know, now I'm 33 and sitting in my gut the beginning of one summer, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to bust my ass this summer and I'm just going to try to get a tryout with a team. I realize just even if I go get a preseason game, play good. So I go and Trenton, cause they're a local team. I got to go to a tryout and uh, not try. I got to go to training camp. Right. And, um, because of affiliations like, uh, kid Chris Wool was called up. I signed beginning of the year. I signed with Trenton and I'm backing up Andrew Allen. Mm-hmm. So first game of the year, we lose, you know, and second game of the year, we go to Atlantic City. And they had won the Kelly Cup the year before. So they're getting their rings, the banners are going up. Andrew starts, of course. I mean, I haven't been in the net for years, so I'm there to back up. Mm-hmm. And we're down 3 nothing two minutes in. Andrew's, it's just not his night. Yeah. I get a tap on the shoulder. Hey, get in there. What? Like, I'm, you know, this <laughs> ideal situation. So, no stories of grandeur. Go in, I stopped 25 out of 27. We lost 5 2. Wow. Got a good write up. They're like, wow, he settled the game down, blah, blah, blah. But you know what? Honestly, I just went out and played. Mm-hmm. Backed up for another month, and then some personal things happened we don't need to get into, but I had to leave the team. Um, and ended up back and then I got called back during the year to like to back up a bit Mm -hmm. but I've been one person who's been fortunate where God's always given me everything I've needed not maybe wanted because obviously I would have 
you and I would have faced off in the NHL at some point. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, but in my time there, I had Bill Armstrong was our coach, who's now at Arizona. Yeah, um, and he looked at me. He's like, he's like, that's pretty. You know, he's like, you came in, you did your job, but he's like, you know what? Looks like you're enjoying the game. He's like, what happened when you first were playing? And I was like, you know what? I thought too much about being a hockey player instead of just being a hockey player. Yeah. And what I would tell guys about overcoming adversity, you know, you can always use the stories of Michael Jordan, this and that. But you have to remember, just like in the NHL, there's, what, 64 different goalies. So right there alone to the NHL, that's 64 different paths. And you're not going to tell me that all of them had an easy path there. Yeah. But that also means that there's 32 different coaches. What one coach doesn't like about you and maybe dresses you down and says you're not the guy, maybe another coach looks at you and you're like, you know what? I like him. He's gritty. Or I like him. He fits into our system. Always approach it like when you were going out with your buddies when you first found this beautiful game. You just couldn't wait to go out, get the Milek pucks and the Milek street hockey ball and just go play. Mm -hmm. When you're going to the rink, that's got to be your focus. Go have fun. Like if you're at a rough patch in a season, it's like, well, look, I'm good at this game right now. Let's simplify. I'm making about everything. It's not self-doubt is not part of my game. It sounds easy. It's age has given me that, but it's something that I try to instill with my goaltenders is, you know, make the game about what you always thought it was mm. on going out, developing your reads and making it about what it is, not about the everybody else's expectations of me or, oh, my God, if we don't win or what are the yeah. things I can, you know, I, I, I don't know. What's your thoughts on that? That's my, you know, advice. Is that something like if you were a player would have helped you if I shared that with you? Yeah, totally. Um, you know, I, I, when you're young, I think you just I think guys take it too seriously. And, um, and, and not to say that I didn't or that you didn't or whatever it is, but within that pursuit, you need to find, you need to have that love for the game come out. And I always said this, that, you know, um, hockey is not about the destination. It's about the journey, right? And, um, the ups and downs that you go through, they teach you so much about yourself and, um, you really grow from them. And, and, you know, there's this notion that, uh, everything happens for a reason. Um, but at the same time, you know, how you react is, is the one thing that you can control in the world. Right. And, um, I, I can't tell you, you just got to get comfortable with failing really. Right. That's the only way, that's the only way that you'll ever find success. I actually did a podcast last week on, you know, this idea of this book I wrote, it's called the obstacles, the way. And basically like my obstacle, my biggest obstacle was that I was small, right? And so guys would put me down. They'd say, oh yeah, this, that, but he's small, right? And it forced me to double down on my skating, to double down on my play reads, to um, double down on not getting beat on straight up shots, uh, no soft goals, being patient on my feet, my hands, my puck playing, all these things adversity turns you into the person that you will eventually become and don't shy away from adversity. Adversity is meant is necessary in your pursuit of becoming an elite goaltender. Adversity uh, molds you into who you are. The challenges you face molds you into who you are. 
and you can decide on what path you want to take. Do you want to just kind of back away from a challenge or do you want to have fun embracing your own challenges, embracing your own adversity? Not everybody is a short goalie, right? Not everybody has the same challenges I had. You and I had different challenges when we were playing and growing up, right? And yep. um, you really got to have fun pursuing excellence. Love, have love for the game. Enjoy your challenges that you have to overcome. And it's honestly the sweetest thing in the world when, you know, for example, the day I committed to Vermont was like, I remember getting off the phone and, and you know, you, you people spit in your face for 10, 15 years, right? And I was so hungry, just like Peyton, right? You know, he was just so hungry. And, you know, he seems like a relatively uh, pretty even keel guy, but I'm sure that that was so awesome for him, you know, to get a deal at the division one level uh, and play for Penn State, which is an amazing program. Right. Um, But that adversity is really what molds you. So my advice would be is do never do not shy away from adversity. Adversity is necessary in sort of what you said about, you know, forging you in the fire. Adversity is what molds you and how you react to that is, is how exactly you grow. So don't shy away from adversity. Um, be okay with failure because failure teaches you 10 times more than winning will ever do. Um, nobody likes to be a loser, but when you lose, what do you get out of it? What did you learn? What do you need to do next time to avoid that failure? And that's really what failure teaches you. So I, I don't, I hate losing and as I'm sure you do, but when you're comfortable, as long as you, I say this too, that once you liberate yourself from the feeling of being embarrassed from failing, then that's when you can unlock so much potential in your game. Um, because if you, you know, nobody likes to lose, but once you liberate yourself from the feeling of being embarrassed, then you're going out there and you're building your own identity. You're becoming your own person. You're, um, you know, you're, you're leaving your stamp on the game, like you said. Nobody leaves. Nobody's like, okay, I pick up a stick and now all of a sudden this is my stamp on the game. Like it's like a 10, 15, 20 year thing of, of progression of the stamp that you leave. And it's nobody ever talks about, even on my elite prospects, everybody talks and they're like, like, dude, I got cut from three junior teams before I finally got to even get an opportunity to be an affiliate at 16 years old. And then it took me five months before I got my first junior game. But once I got that game, I won because I waited until I was ready because all that adversity I'd faced for my whole life in the 12 months earlier, it showed me that I needed to grow more. It showed me that I need to get stronger, that I need to have better play reads. That adversity led me to having the career I had, you know, and if I didn't have those failures, if I didn't have the resilience to say, okay, like where I am today is not where I'll be tomorrow, but how do I get there? Right. Um, and just, uh, yeah, I mean that's a that's a long drawn out answer, but I hope that kind of hits home with maybe what you were saying as well. Yeah, no, it does, and it's funny because I have the reverse because like at the end of the one year at the Western Pro League, uh, our one our coach uh, Todd Lalonde brought me in the office because we were getting ready for playoffs, and I knew I was backing up Coop. He's like, I know what you're looking at. I'm like, what? He goes, you're sitting there looking at that you have a three seven and three record, and he's mm-hmm. like, you feel like a loser, right? He goes, yeah. He's like, here's what the numbers don't show. He's like, do you realize there were four games you had to come into this year? He's like, where Coop either was injured or had gotten dehydrated. And he's like, we had one goal leads 
in hostile environments. And he's like, you shut the door, like with 15, 17 or 18 minutes left. He's mm-hmm. like, so that's four games we won. He's like, you don't get credit for it because you weren't in when the game winning goal went in. Yeah. He's like, you know how hard that is? He's like, you're down dwelling on all the negatives. He's like, you don't, he's like, you're too wrapped up in numbers. He's like, how about just being wrapped up in you come out, you battle. He's like, that's mm-hmm. what got you on this team. So exactly as you said, and something I'm going to build off of because what you just said resonated with me, mm-hmm. the importance of challenges in your life. Because I want you to think about this. I'll ask you a question. Do you play tic-tac-toe anymore? No, I haven't in a while, actually. <laughs> yeah, why not? I don't know. I guess, I guess, well, with the phones now, I guess there's no excuse. You could probably just download it. Uh... But even oh, you know, oh, actually, you know what? I, I, I think I played it uh, six months ago with, with my girlfriend, actually. We were at, like, uh, dinner or something. We did play it. Yeah, we did. We did. I played it, yeah. But when you get, like, you get somebody and they're sharp, why is it boring? Because when you get somebody of equal skill, you never win. You yes. can't tacto. Well, that's the beauty of hockey. Like you, you alluded to so many times through our conversation here. It's a wonderful game because it's always, it's fluid. It's always developing. It's always mm-hmm. changing. Well, guess what? Like you're going to be challenged if you're going to be a goaltender because what you're learning today is going to be outdated probably in six months to a year. Yeah. <laughs> so your game is going to constantly think how boring life would be if we were all just allowed to play tic-tac-toe. We'd be a bunch of zombies walking around like Yeah, so true. Your challenges are so important in life because challenges provide the opportunity to grow. They provide the opportunity for you to improve and for you to become the athlete you were meant to be. Mm-hmm. So that's where like everything you were saying, I'm like, I know like this is, I, I'm so glad we we connected here because talking to you one, I wish I had had the chance to coach you when you were playing because I, you're saying things and it's given me three ideas. You're like, you, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing. That, <laughs> right on, man. Kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, I never had an opportunity to get through uh, the the sort of uh, New Jersey, New England uh, circuit, but I was looking there. I was I, I feel fortunate to have had an opportunity to to play in the USHL and, and the BCHL and stuff like that. But um, uh, la- lastly, I want to dive into to Ben Cross at Ohio State, if you don't mind a, a little bit. What do you think separates him from from everybody else's Division One goaltender? Oh, well, wait, I get that right. Miami of Ohio. Don't say Ohio State. That's a big Oh, one. sorry, sorry. Miami. <laughs> Somebody's going to be sending me a DM. <laughs> um, with Ben, well, because it's um, – he's kind of what you would call a mix of Kevin and Peyton. It's not a cop-out. But, like, when I tell you his, you know – he quietly goes about his business, but like this is a guy I have never from day one, and I've coached him since 2010. So now we're going on a decade of coaching him. Nice. Um, now, I mean, he has some other great coaches he works with as well. Like I know he does he works with John Elkin. He work, does work with Eli Wilson. Um, nice. Even had a chance to work with Marty Berdor. So, wow. you know, I'm the schlub of the group. But uh, No, I wouldn't say that. 
Everybody brings something to the table. I, I was coached under Elkin as well, but over the years I went to, you know, four or five different guys. They all bring something to the table that one, not one, each guy necessarily has in his repertoire, right? Exactly. So with Ben, he's always had this, he has such a desire. Like he, you know, he tells people, he's like, look, I'm going to school. I know you have to play, but I'm playing hockey. And there is no doubt in that remark. And there's just a resolve with every workout, but he is such an absolute student of the game. Like um, I have a zoom account, like he'll, he contacts me on his own. It's not me like, Hey, you know, it could be a, like when we were in uh, quarantine, he's like, Hey, can we just review some of the stuff from this year? Get a game plan for the summer. So he's a student of the game. He has a laser like resolve. Like he's, very quiet but he just you know when he gets in that and you and he's on you can he brings that everybody's level up because he's like you know you're like that you're like that little kid and kids were giving you a problem but then your big older brother with the tattoos follows you into the playground now everybody else is like all right we can do this now you know <laughs> when he gets into that zone you can feel it he, he's a game changer um yeah he has a quiet resolve, but he's also somebody that's had adversity um, where at his age group, like he's had one guy out overshadow him for the press, but he's never let that phase him. He's like, look, I'm not here to get headlines. I'm, he's like, I'm not here to read my name in a newspaper. I'm here to get to my end goal of playing professional hockey, and I'm here to win games for my team. Mm. And for me, even at the age, you know, he's, you know, he's just turning 20. Uh, just turned 20. That's wow. a remarkably mature statement for somebody that age. Yeah. Is he in uh, his sophomore year? Yeah, he's starting his sophomore year this year. Wow. Good for uh, him. And he's never one to, he doesn't complain. Like if he doesn't start or if he loses, he's like, you know, he could lose a game one nothing. He's like, yeah, that's a goal I should have had though. Yeah. Like yeah. I've never heard him come over and say, well, my defense didn't do this. So a tremendous self-awareness and a tremendous self-expectation. Like he feels like he should be the difference in the game every time. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. You said that, um, you should be the difference. I feel like the goalies, the ones that take pride in that in being the difference of the guys that really get to the next level. They're in that 1% of guys that get to sign pro contracts. How exactly do you, do you think that you can develop a mindset like that where, you know, um, you're just focused on solutions and you're focusing on what you can control versus blaming everybody else or pointing fingers. How do you think you develop that? You know, it's, a, it's, a, it's not a cop-out. It's a combination of everything we've talked about. One, you have to have an understanding of the game. If you know you can come out and be, quote-unquote, a field, field general and you have the respect of your teammates, it's like, hey, guys, um, like a couple of years ago, I had a goal on Bantam Major, and you know what? He was so accomplished i let him i'm like what do you want to see on our penalty kill because goaltender has to be the best penalty killer on your team yeah because coach as long as i know i have a defenseman on the backside post and there's not going to be a weak side tap in i'll stop everything for you so <laughs> i'm the same way <laughs> well and so the thing is i'm like all right guys here's our, our pk and we set it up i'm like weak side defenseman i want your toes up ice and i want you on the weak side post i said if you leave that post i said then somebody else is doing your job because I was like, one, we need our goaltender. If he's focused on the puck, it's going to stay out of the net. 
Mm-hmm. He needs to feel confident in something. So one is an understanding of the game. Two is having the confidence, but the yeah, the confidence and just the natural ability communicate. Make your job easier. Because when you simplify your game, simple is not easy, but when you simplify it, you know the task at hand and you don't make it more than what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then lastly, it's like people talk about mental imaging, but it's just like be hungry for the puck. Like you, I told you, the thing I always remark about you and I always, you know, with the battles I saw you in, the way there was never a time like there, there would be a backdoor play and I would be like, he's going to get it. And sure enough, like you would get a paddle on the puck or whatever. <laughs> Just having that outright desire that you want the puck. And yeah. once again, it's simplifying. I want the puck. Understand? It's like, you know, if I'm hungry, I want a cheeseburger. Well, guess what? I want the puck. I, <laughs> I start the game, I'm hungry for pucks. So the more you can give me, the better. So it's, I think it's when you simplify it and you put it in a thing of hunger and, and um, understanding how the game works. You're going to put yourself in position to make those saves and to mm-hmm. control that game. Yeah, no, absolutely. I love that answer, man. Um, but finally here, what would you say out of everything that you do with your goaltenders is probably like your biggest hack, you know, that you've been able to develop and implement that's that's helped so many goalies thrive and, and get ahead of the competition, get to the next, the next level now? Um. God gives us all abilities. Like, honestly, the reason I'll watch NHL games, I'll see something and like people will say, oh, I came up with this. Like, I wish I knew where it came from because I'd write a book, you know, like everybody does and knows how to make money. My wife <laughs> told me about that. But like, I, my greatest hack is the thing that something will just pop into my head. Like, um, I guess the hack I would call it is, you know how as coaches, we have lesson plans and, you know. Yeah. But the thing is, is, and this came from, um, and I, I'm sorry, like, I'll make this quick. My friend, Peter Skrabel, he coaches for uh, Slovan Bratislava. Right. Uh, I coached him when he played professionally in the Czech Republic and when he played junior over here. Nice. A couple of years ago, him and I were running a camp together. And on day two, like we always do a theme of the day. And we were doing like RBH reads, BH reads or overlap reads. Yeah. And you could tell in the first hour of the day or the first two hours, the students and the goalies, they just, it, it just didn't have a good feel. Like, you know how days you go out there, it feels like a symphony. Everything flows, kids yeah. are learning. You feel like a genius, all that. <laughs> we all came off feeling not like defeated, but pissed because the kids weren't getting it. They were pissed off. The shooters, like everything was just wrong. And me and Peter look at each other like, you know what? Let's do that again and just throw it in a game context. Mm. Like, well, wait a minute. What about the schedule? we got to do certain things. I'm like, no, nah, you know what? I would rather you come out a week of camp grasping four tangible concepts that are going to make your game better than for show giving you 20 to 25 concepts yeah. and you grasp one. And what will happen is like something will happen. I'll be on the ice and a kid won't be grasping a concept. And for some reason, in dark recesses of my mind, something from an NHL game, like a scenario, will pop in my head. I'm like, okay, I know how to turn that into a drill. And that's not me being a genius. That's that's just that's the that's being a medium. I call it. That's my years of experience. And 
just life showing me things and it coming back to me at the right time. Yeah. I don't know necessarily if that's a hack, but it's been being able to listen to my goaltenders and have an impulse of what they're grasping and what they're not grasping and being able to change mid drift. Yeah. No, I got it. No, that's great, man. Being able to, to pivot a little bit, right? Yeah. Pivot, like not, you know, be able to go off the standard course and have it still be fluid and not yeah. choppy learn. Yeah. And is that something that you kind of even teach with your guys? Yeah. Well, cause I like to tell them is like, have you ever done this? I want to pick your brain here. You did a drill with your goalie coach back in the day and maybe something didn't go right. Like you were doing rims and like the puck hit the glass kicked out in front. Okay. Let's do it again. Yeah. Well, no, now you're training yourself to stop when something goes wrong. Yeah. Well, like the thing we had, and it is very timely, it just happened yesterday. Um, uh, the one rink we train in, the one corner is just awful. Like, you know from playing in Knoxville, because Knoxville, I spent some time there, and I don't think they still oh. the boards. It's a sauna. Oh, yeah, and you could get some bounces on Dumpin's area. <laughs> That's mathematically impossible. But we would do, like yesterday we did something where rim the puck in and it hit the stanchion and it went to cream to the front net. Goaltender, and this most impressive thing I saw is he goes behind, he goes right into a slide but gets his body in front of it and slide pops right up and hits me with a hard direct pass. And I'm like, right there, that's fluency. That's, <laughs> that is not reacting to the drill. Like we have a saying at our lessons and our practices, don't react to the drill, react to the puck. Mm. Because we've all done it where, you know, you're supposed to be working on gloves, but the shooter misfires and it stays on the ice and the goalie freezes. Well, right. Puck's on the ice, go get it. Yeah. And then there'll be times where we'll throw a goalie in the net and they'll be like, what's the drill? I'm not telling you what the drill is. Just get in there and stop the puck. <laughs> I love that. I've never had that actually. <laughs> and this way they're expecting, like, we'll start below the goal line. They'll think it's behind the net and then it just turns into a screen drill. Yeah. So That's cool, man. You know, and I, I, it's, it just allows you to be, you know, be who you are, be an athlete instead of a programmed robot. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's sort of like that variability really is kind of what you're talking about, right? Like having, it's so cookie cutter. And I actually, all the way back on my second episode, I was actually reviewing it today uh, with IQ goalie. And he said that, that there needs to be, the dr drills you do need to be challenging and they need to be variable because yeah. if you're just doing uh, all routine stuff and it's not challenging your mind at all and, and your sort of motor function skills and whatever you're trying to apply, then you're not actually getting a, as much out of it as you possibly could. Um, I love that you said that nobody's ever, nobody's on the show. Obviously it shows only eight months old, but nobody said that on the show yet. And I love that, man. Yeah. And like I said, it's something I, I know, I've heard that somewhere or one of my goalies may have related to me. I would love to say, Hey, I came up with the, <laughs> everything we do it is a process of learning in life or we've observed it somewhere. So I'm not going totally. to tag on that's a Bozak original because it is not. So, that's all right. You know, it's goaltending is almost like, it's like the scientific method and science. We're just, we're all building off of previous concepts and just molding them and changing them slightly in different ways, I suppose. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, George, do you have any last words of advice for everyone listening that you feel passionate about? Um, 
one is the, the, the game is so wonderful, gentlemen, is like what you're doing is you're bringing so many great minds together. Um, the best advice I've heard that I've heard, and then I'll give my own is best advice I heard was in a USA hockey magazine. They interviewed Connor Hellebuck and John Gibson. And John, uh, they asked him, well, what were your favorite camps growing up? And like, the ones with different goalie coaches, because I would get different ideas and apply what worked for me. Mm. Well, say like some guys just like to work with one goalie coach. Like I tell my guys, like, Guys who I work with in season go see somebody else during the summer, and then guys who I yeah. see, vice versa. And um, I, the thing is, is if you have to work with one coach because of you know, like, hey, sometimes this is all you can do, and you know, there's geographical boundaries and things. Um, be able to communicate with your coach because one, it's going to help your coach, you know, be better, but it allows you to explore yourself and figure out what your strengths are in the game. Yeah. Um, don't be afraid of different viewpoints because, you know, it's like as goalie coaches, we can get territorial. No, like I've. Yeah. Yes, for sure. I'm glad that you said that. <laughs> and I've learned so much by like my goalie's going, oh my God, you know what? Shame on me. I didn't see that about your name. I'm glad that he did. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, as far as like your learning and development, for the upper level goaltenders, um, have confidence in your game, especially like if you're a guy playing junior right now, or let's say you're at the pro level and you're listening to this. There's a reason you're at the level you're at. Yeah. So put that confidence in what you have, but realize the strength isn't with you. Like you got recruited for a reason or you were signed for a reason. Mm-hmm. So make it simplistic. Come back to don't make it overwhelming. It's like, oh, you know, I'm so lost right now. Nah. You're telling yourself you're lost because the only person who hears that voice is you. Mm. Um, And then for the younger goaltenders, Peyton Jones, I'm going to steal what Peyton said. Peyton at a time told, you know, he told the Big Ten Network, there was a time where he hated me because he would show up for a practice and he'd see no pucks on the ice, no shooters. I'm like, yep, that's right. Buckle up. Here we go. But Big Ten Network said that you're one of the best skating goalies we've seen. Like, you know, because he's 6'4", he's big, but he's mobile. Right. And I told him, I said, my job is not to coach you for success right now. So this is like when he was a Bantam. Mm. My job's not to think for right now. My job's to think four or five years down the road. I was like, do I want you to have some immediate success? Yes. But I said, I'm going to more, I would rather you not like me now than four or five years down the road be like, oh, I get it now. Mm. and as a coach it's like you know we're there like let's face it i'm not going to be going out to the bar and having beers with you i'm not there to be your buddy yeah i'm going to develop you and there's going to be some days i'm going to tell you things you don't like to hear right that's just what it is if you have a coach always telling you everything you want to hear then it's probably time to change up coaches yeah yeah Uh, don't be afraid to have fun but also don't be afraid to be to have some impact on your own learning because at the end of the day if you're going to hit division one or professional you're going to have to be your own coach at some point because we're not like football um where you got a headset and we can phone in plays or tell you adjustments in game you're your own coach so be involved with your learning be vocal in your learning but also be educated about your learning listen first to your coaches then 
you know, have the feedback or know what your strengths are so you can come back to your coach with a reasonable viewpoint. Yeah. No, I'm a big advocate of just, uh, you know, we always, and I don't know if people talk about enough is just your toolbox. You want to make it as wide as possible. And, you know, one, one thing that works for you might not work for somebody else, but you never really are going to know what, what and what doesn't until you go out and try it. And, uh, really get a different flavor you know I, I think that uh nowadays you have so many great coaches out there really and that's sort of what the the goal of this program is to spring on a lot of great minds and just get their input right um and and there's lots of things that you said today that other people have and there's lots of things that you have that other people have as well but i think at the end of the day um getting that insight and then having the self-awareness to decide and an a b test as i like to call it for yourself is a uh, is a huge advantage a huge advantage so um coach bozak thank you so much for coming on the show buddy uh just uh, a bit of a longer one today it's probably the longest one we've had so far but tons of great value i know everybody's gonna love uh listening to this one back um but it's gonna really shed some light on what it takes to play at the next level i appreciate your time man um can you, can you just uh let people know where they can get in touch with you online uh yeah well, i mean i'm on instagram it's either coach underscore Bozak on Instagram or Bozak Goaltending, B-O-S-A-K. Um, and my email is just Bozak, B-O-S-A-K, Goaltending at gmail.com. Um, Coach Mike, I thank you. Like I said, as all the goalies out there, uh, you're learning from a guy who he's talking it, but I got to firsthand see how well he played this game. So you're learning from a very valuable resource. Um, and I really appreciate what you're bringing uh, to the goalie community. Yeah, no, it's uh, I, I appreciate the kind words, man. I mean, so much. And uh, I'm, I'm honestly having a blast doing uh, doing this, trying my best to to just shed some more light and, and help people kind of bring their get their, you know, move their development forward on a, a whole nother level. Right. And, and bringing on guests like yourself uh, definitely shed some light on that. So um, go check out George Bozak on Instagram. Uh, send him an email. He's a great guy, super down to earth. And, um, you know, if you're looking to reach out for anything, I'm sure he'd be willing to help, but his students have had a, a tremendous amount of success and he's coached a number of elite goaltenders over the years that have been, uh, able to make it to the highest levels in hockey now. So maybe somewhere down the road, man, we'll have you back on the show. If that's something that interests you. Absolutely. I'll, we'll try to curtail a little bit next time. I apologize. My wife tells me I talk too much, so. <laughs> no, no worries at all, man. It's, uh, I don't mind it. We, that's the whole, that's what's awesome about the show is we can do whatever we want. And as long as the value keeps pouring out, uh, if it can, if it can help even one person who's listened to the end of this, then I'm all for it, man. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for you coming on. Uh, good luck as the season gets underway soon. Uh, take care, stay safe, and we'll chat soon, man. Sounds great, bro. You and the family be safe, and thank you again. Take care. Yeah, take care. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in this week's episode, guys. If you liked what you heard today, make sure to hit that subscribe button as we have tons of amazing guests lined up ready to come onto the show in the next few months. Make sure to tune in next week and every Tuesday from now on at 8 a.m. As next week, I have another active goaltender coming on the show, Penn State Big Ten champion and alumni, and he just recently signed with the Colorado Eagles as well, one of the best teams in the American League, Peyton Jones. Peyton is actually one of George Bozak's students. He's an absolute stud who's had tons of success at the next level, and I can't wait to dive into our chat next week. You guys aren't going to want to miss this one, so make sure to tune back 
next week. Without further ado, here are the giveaway details for the NeuroTracker X subscriptions. We're giving away as well as plenty of other things like products, books, all sorts of stuff. Um, and, the, and the goodie is if you enter our giveaway, you will be entered into every single giveaway we ever do on the show. That's right. We've had about 40 different winners so far. And uh, only 105 people have, have left a, a review f- for the show. So to enter the giveaway, if you're an Apple user, simply go to the Apple Podcast app on your phone and leave us a written review and rating. And if you're an Android user, you can also download iTunes onto your computer and leave a review and rating on there as well. But once you leave a review of the podcast, take a screenshot of it and either email it to goaliehacks at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram with your screenshot and your full name. If you guys are also interested in getting started with the product, feel free to hit me up either by email or Instagram direct messages to get more details on the brand new NeuroTracker X product. Get excited, guys. Great things ahead. I hope you enjoyed today's episode, and I'll see you next week.